Thomas, put your dick away. Sorry. Thomas, stop pissing! Uh, sorry. Ah! Ah! Oh. Uh, okay, it's away. Okay. Phew! <laughs> Crisis averted. Yeah, I almost... The world is safe once more. Yeah. Now I'm hard from seeing your dick. What the fuck, man? What? Sorry. Hey, Joe, put your dick away. Joe, stop pissing! You know what? You keep telling me to stop pissing. I'm going to start shitting despite you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to Screen Wings, the only podcast where they put their wings on screen. <laughs> you just can't see it. Yeah, it's, it's just an audio screen. <laughs> just all day long, our penises are on the screen. Yep. Hey, it's me, it's Thomas, and of course we have Joe joining us this week. I'm and Joe. Surprise, and surprise. Of course, as always, London. It's me, it's, London. It's me, Thomas, then. It's me, London. Okay. And it's me, Thomas. Oh, and today, I, I'm E10. I it's forgot. London and Thomas, E10 and Joe. Yes. The four of us are back. <laughs> You know, I was really worried when I heard you uh, develop split personality disorder. I was very fearful for, fearful for you. Yeah, see, it, it, it was Thomas who gave the Joker a six eventually, but it was E10 who initially gave the Joker an eight. Okay. Um, so... Because you're the Joker. So e- you and E10 have different movie tastes, then? Yes, he, he's my shittier movie tastes. So okay. okay. Well, uh, me, Thomas, I'm a bit more of a pretentious prick, so... Ain't that the truth. (laughs) Got him. Ew. That was a real epic move. Um, yeah, so I watched a good few movies this week. Yeah, what do you, what, go ahead. Go ahead and let us know what you watched, Thomas. That I don't, even though I know all of them. Do you have them memorized? Because I know all of them too, but I don't have them memorized. Uh... You watched Little Women. I did. Which 1994 with Winona Ryder. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Christian Bale's also in it. He is. Sigourney Weaver. Who's the brother? Uh, no, it's not Sigourney Weaver. It's uh oh, I I can never remember her name. Let me look real quick. Oh, Susan Sarandon. Yeah, oh. that's what I meant. Yes. Um, they both have S's. And you thought it was epic as hell. Yeah, I mean, I thought the filmmaking was, like, serviceable. Like, there wasn't anything, like, super great about, like, the, like, on-screen filmmaking techniques. Like, it didn't, like, particularly look good or there weren't any interesting shots or anything like that. But um, all of the character writing was really good. It had a really good script and a really good performance from Winona Ryder specifically. So. I should I should be getting my copy of the book by tomorrow. Oh, nice. Uh, I have, I bought paperback copies of all three of them and they've got like the original images in them. So that's pretty cool. Oh, is there a trilogy? Yeah. Uh, after Little Women, she wrote uh, Little Men and Joe's Boys. So... It's actually about my children. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot wait for you to have kids and then, like, drown them in the bathtub. 
Ooh, you're going to be waiting for a long time because I don't plan on having kids. And if even if you do, you probably won't tell me because you'll just... <laughs> Drown them in the bathtub immediately. Well, no, I'd be <laughs> sacrificing them to my lord and savior, E10. Oh! Oh. Hey, come on, I'm not, I'm not so tasteless that I would just drown my own children just for the meme of it. I don't know. Okay. It would have purpose if I were to kill my own children. Whatever you say. Uh, Thomas also watched the 19, like, 22? It's like 1919 was the date on uh, Amazon. The, one, the, like, one of the first adaptations of Little Women. Yeah, and that one was weird because, uh, like, it had you could a tell it was like a, ad. Yeah, you could tell it was, like, serialized over, like, different, like, Dates, um, and they had like intermission ads, so it felt like a, it was like a t- mini series essentially. But but it was only like an hour. It was just that last chunk of the novel from like where. Uh, well, well, I don't want to spoil anything if Joe hasn't seen any version of it. Um, but um, I have not. Where uh, <clears throat> right around like the New York area of the book. Whoa, they oh, go to that? New York. That's just spoiler. Whoa, kind of. You'll see. Um. So yeah, um, to the end, um, and it's like an hour, so it's like, and it's amazing. It's all right. It worked. I liked the ad. It took me off guard. I was laughing at it. Um, was it a good ad for a dishwasher? No, it was like one of those ads where it's like, remember, we're the only trustworthy dishwasher company out there. So yeah, and then it showed them like having someone inside the dishwasher. They had it's perfectly safe. Oh no, it was like some like early twenties housewife. Man. Okay. Uh, Thomas also watched uh the Meyerwitz stories. Yes. The Noah Baumbach film. I believe that was his first movie he did for Netflix. His second being Marriage Story, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And Thomas thought it was epic as hell. I did. I really enjoyed it. Adam Sandler's great. More so, Ben Stiller's really good in that movie. Yeah, both Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler are really good dramatic actors. Uh, Ben Stiller embraces it a lot more than Adam Sandler does. He's got, like, a lot more dramatic roles. It's kind of what he's been doing in his Quite a lot with Noah Baumbach. Yeah, he's done a few Noah Baumbach. While We're Young, uh, Greenberg. Greenberg. I haven't seen Um, that one. I haven't seen either. I just went and bought a bunch of them on DVD, though, so that'll be cool when they The only Noah Baumbach movie I've seen is Marriage Story. Probably his best one from what I've seen, but I've always sold it. It's my favorite, personally. I think it's that, and then Francis Ha, and then maybe Meyerowitz, Mm. and then the rest that I've seen are kind of muddled. Ah. I'm going to watch uh, Francis Hot last, so I'm going to, like, power through, like, all of his other films nice. and uh, save that just in case I don't like his other movies because they're earlier works of his, so that way I'll have that, like, one solid film that I know will probably be pretty good and I'll like. Nice. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. The next one I think I'm going to watch is The Squid and the Whale. Um, That's the first one I saw before. I want to rewatch it now that I'm, like... I know more about Noah Baumbach because yeah. I, I watched it without knowing anything about him. Mm. Yeah. I think I was like 18 when I watched it. Okay. 
Um, yeah, it looks pretty good. I like uh, Jeff Daniels. Uh, yeah, I remember him being really good in it. And it'll be interesting to see like a pre-Zombie Land Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, true. Hmm. True, 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 Um, but yeah, uh, let me see because I watched watched quite a bit. Um, you watched Garfield: The Tale of Two Kitties? Uh, no. What you promised? Okay, so. Um, I watched The Mustache and uh, Bedeviled with you guys. Yep. Yep. I gave The Mustache a five. I think I might bump it up to a six. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was enjoyable. Fun little Pretty movie. Epic. Interesting little concept. I think I also gave The must the la Mustache a six. Yes. Yeah, I did. I gave it a six. The Mustache. The Mustache. I just... It's such a dumb movie, but it, like, worked in the context of what it was doing of, like, this guy just, like, lost touch with reality and or reality lost touch with him. Yeah. It's a nice little, like, magic realism piece, like, because it never, like, overly explains anything. You're just along with the trip with the main yeah. character. And it doesn't outstay its well. Yeah, it's no. pretty short. No, it doesn't. Um, then... Be deviled, I thought it was pretty shit, to be honest. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I think I rated it Very, lower than you. Yeah, I'm gonna, I liked I'm gonna it. Rate it lower. I liked a lot of the gore. Yeah. I thought a lot of the the uh, gore effects were really good. Uh, thinking back on it more, I should realistically drop it. Uh, oh, drop, drop. Stick to your ideals. Yeah, just don't like. I mean, I'm not letting your opinion sway you. It's more on man. There was a lot in, like, the first chunk of the movie that didn't really matter. Yeah. And it was really slow, and I remember, like, nodding off, thinking the movie was, like, over. And then I woke up what felt like a half an hour later, and it yeah. was, like, suddenly a, like, full-on slasher movie, and I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? Personally, I kind of like that. But, like, also, like, <sighs> the main character from Soul. Uh, what is her name? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, E10. Uh, yeah, I think that was it. thing was Kim Ok-nam. Um, Yeah, she, like, yeah. kind of stays the same shitty person throughout the entire ordeal. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like after experiencing that, you would be a be different a person. At least a little bit. And I'm just like, oh, cool. And then, like, a lot of the antagonistic... Uh, Characters were kind of shallow, but also, like, I don't know, I could enjoy a very basic bare bones revenge story of, like, these people are shitty, this person's gonna kill them all because she's tired of being treated like dirt. And I'm like, I can get behind that, you know, as, like, a very simple journey into just watching people get fucking brutally murdered. I can, I can dig it. I get what you mean. I've just personally seen like a lot of those types of movies, so it's a little uh little tired for me at this point. That's fair. That's um, fair. And then my next movie was uh the first movie that Sidney Poitier ever directed. Ooh, Buck Oh, Buck and, and the Preacher. Yeah, and you thought it was bad. Yeah, I didn't think it was very good. It's a western. Um it's it's I'm assuming it's pretty progressive for the time, seeing as it's got, like, uh, predominantly, like, black cast, and it focuses on that. I mean, Cindy Poitier has always been really, really progressive for his time. Uh, yeah, he has. Um, 
So that was a neat aspect to it, but it was just uh, not very good movie. Mm. Um, okay. So I, I think I gave it I gave it a four. It might be more deserving of a five. It's just kind of like cut and dry. As you said, Thomas, stick to your ideals and I will mine. Sorry, E10 interferes with my uh, gotcha. scale a little bit. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, then I watched The Ape. That was terrible. Not enough ape. It was all Boris Karloff yelling at this, like... You like Boris Karloff. I, I do like Boris Karloff, but that was a bad movie. Then I watched this pretty good movie from 1979 called Blackjack. Um, it's like an old uh, novel, like in the public domain, but uh, apparently this movie was, like, one of the big inspirations for Wes Anderson when he was making uh, Moonrise Kingdom, Ooh, which okay. I could see. I thought it was pretty good. Um, then I watched uh, both Ring- Renu, or Ringu, however you pronounce it, and uh, The Rain. Um, yeah, I thought... I see you definitely did not love it as much as London Love uh, Ringu. I did not, but I thought it was a very well-crafted horror movie for the most part. Okay. I, I have my gripes with it, but, I mean, I think it's one of, like, the better horror movies I've seen. Because generally, I tend not to rate horror very high, because a lot of it's kind of just, like, taps the surface, you know? Okay. Um, <clears throat> but there there's a lot of stuff I really liked about it. Particularly, there's this shot towards the end of the movie where... A, a little minor spoiler, kind of. But they're, like, they find the body in the well, and, like... The head kind of, like, has, like, water from the well, like, coming out of, like, the yeah. eyes. I thought that shot was really nice. And then they did the same thing, but with CG in the remake. God, the CG looks so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that shot was so beautiful in Ringu. Yeah. There's some really good cinematography in there. There is. I like it. I like... There's, like, another shot where they're, like, sitting on that rocky beach, and they're, like, looking at the ocean, but you don't see the uh, horizon line. It's just, like, so far above their mm-hmm. heads. And it does, like, a really good job of, like, kind of, like, putting you in the character's place, because they're dealing with, like, this huge crisis, and it's, like, supernatural and just completely, like, out of their control, it feels like. Um, I, I hate the American remake. I didn't hate it. I, I like watching it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I, I honestly didn't think it was, like, too much worse. Like, you know, like I didn't think it was, like, very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's definitely a lot weaker than the original was. Um, then, yeah, I watched the two versions of Little Women. I watched uh, The King of Comedy and then The Joker. How, was that the first time you watched The King of Comedy? Yes, it was. How was it? It was fucking great. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it. I've been meaning to watch that. Um, it's like Joker if it were well directed. It's like t- Joker's just like Taxi Driver and King of Comedy fused with one. a Batman skin on it. That's what I've heard. A Joker. Um, <clears throat> then I watched yeah, just uh, the Meyerowitz stories, which we already briefly talked about, and then Claw and Drive Man escaped and pickpocket. <sighs> pickpocket. <laughs> yes. Cool, Joe. Did you watch anything by yourself? I guess or um, with me. No, pretty much all movies. You watched I, your anime. Uh, yeah, I did. I did do some catching up on some anime this uh, last week. What anime? Uh, Echo Para. Yep. Yep. Oh, I don't know what that is. I, I've it's, been out of the anime loop for a little while. Uh, slice of life with cat girls. Ah. Um, you probably have maybe heard of it. 
it uh, caused a lot of hubbub when it for when it was originally a visual novel when it got ported to Steam because it was the first visual novel to have any sort of uh, pornographic content on it. Okay. So that that kickstarted a lot of conversation. Um, it's bad. It's very bad. There's a lot of subtext that I really do not like. <laughs> uh, it very much objectifies women, over-sexualizes women in the worst ways, uh, especially seen as, I'm guessing, the ages skew lower, mm. which, disgusting. Yeah. But um, me and Pierre had a really fun time discussing the ethics of being a cat girl in that society. I like it. And, like, I wouldn't even, like, entertain the thought normally, but, like, there was a bit of dialogue where, like, our two main characters are, like, on a train, and this little girl's like, well, look, cat girls, and her mom's like, yep, they have bells on, they're allowed to be out without their masters, and I just kind of went, wait, hold up, hold up, so are they not, like, it just jumpstarted this entire, like, back and forth of me and Pierre talking these questions of, like, so, like, are they people? Do they make money? What do they spend food on? Is there, like, a racial divide between cat people, assumingly there's cat boys, or is it just cat girls? How did they get into this world? Were they man-made? Was it was it natural evolution? So, so they don't show any... But there is none of that conversation in any of the episodes so far. Probably throughout the entire... How many episodes are out? Only one. So oh, only okay. One. Okay. I was but, like, that. That, that little tidbit opened the door for me and Pierre to just wonder about it. And I've had a lot of fun thinking about these things that will never get answered or touched on or even gleaned. Um, but it's really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very, very bad. It, it doesn't sound like the type of show I would watch. Uh, it's not the type of show I would normally watch, but... Uh, <laughs> but I, I get I get for the meme. <laughs> it was definitely for the meme, uh, because one night I got very drunk with everybody and I was like, guys, there are two OVAs in Echo Park. We should watch it, ironically. And I hated them. Mm. Um, I was also really sad because with the anime, the TV anime, they replaced a lot of the original cast from the OVAs, which is sad because the voice cast in the original OVAs had primarily done hentai. Ah. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but I mean, apart from that, I finished up watching all of Fire Force. I like okay. Fire Force. It's pretty good. I have some issues with it, but it looks fucking beautiful. It sounds fucking beautiful. The fight has so much kinetic energy, and I love it. Okay. Um, story's a little lacking. I really, really like the world. Yeah. And a lot of the pieces and players that are in it. Uh, and then I caught up on my hero, and oh no. Dip in quality? That's yeah. Um, visually, it dipped in quality. Directing, it dipped in quality. And the rest of it's fine, which is really sad because it's covering my favorite arc from the manga. Mm. And I'm just like, don't fuck this up, Studio Bones. That, that's, that, that's the fucked thing about being a manga reader. Yeah. Because, like, when you, when you just watch the anime... You're like, yeah, this is awesome. I have no problems with this. But as soon as, like, you start seeing the manga's art and you'll see, like, they'll derp up one of your favorite, like, frames from the manga. And you'll see, like, oh, this, this really scene, the small scene that had a lot of nuance in the manga. Yeah. It's just like a plain Jane presentation, no spark to it in the anime. It's a big problem. That's why I'm, like, primarily a manga reader. And, like, I didn't realize how much of, like, that art is taken up in, like, 
building up characters with flashbacks, mm. which is fine. There was an episode where they executed on really, really well. Yeah. But the rest of the time, it's just like, okay, we have a bit of action. It's really climbing. The pacing is wanting to go further. But we're going to rail that and do five minutes of flashback on this character. Yeah, flashbacks and, in manga are usually pretty short and sweet, but in yeah. animes, oh my god. It ruins it. Seven episode long flashback. <laughs> yeah, and then one of the highlights of it, they they showed it via a literal slideshow. Oh. And oh. I'm just like, oh god. Yeah. I mean, like, when it hits its highs... It's good. It was always going to hit its highs really well, but I'm just mainly disappointed. Yeah. Um, it just, uh, I think it's the lowest rated season of My Hero that I've seen, or I've rated so far. Because I think I rated season one and eight, and then two and three tens. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I watched the, like, first two seasons, or the majority of the first two seasons. Mm. I, I kind of trickled out once it got to, like, the fillerish bits of uh, the end of season two. Um, but I went back not too long ago and I read a bunch of it in the manga and basically like got a little past where I got in the anime. Okay. And then I took a break, but I plan on like just picking back up from where I left off here pretty soon. Uh, the last full arc I saw was like the one where uh, Bakugo and uh, Midoriya uh, fight all uh, okay. in that little thing. And now uh, Midoriya is like watching other contestants fight their teachers. But, oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, that's where I was at. Okay. Um, but, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, uh, and apart from that, I mean, I haven't watched anything else. Me and London watch a bunch of movies together, because I pretty much only watch movies in the context of London these days. Uh, it's like I have a void, and I open it and let people in, and there's a little TV playing inside of it. Ah, yes. The void is my ass. Oh! And the TV is a metaphor for his dick? No, my prostate. Okay. Okay. And you just watch my prostate. <laughs> Make sure it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and me, what have I watched? Yes, what have you watched? And by subsequent context, what have I watched? Yes. Okay. Let's look at what I've watched. Uh, so I finished the Grudge series. Oh, nice. I'm fucking done with it. Have you watched uh, the, like... Uh, I haven't watched Sadako vs. Kayako yet. Okay. Because I want to watch all the Rank movies first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, the Grudge is garbage. Anyone that ever recommends it to me, I'm going to go, you're a fucking liar. It's a terrible series. Yeah. <laughs> there was one movie I rated above a five, and most were rated like a two. Oof. Like, that's one of the worst series I've ever seen. And I've watched six Puppet Master movies. Yeah, that's that speaks volumes. Uh, I rewatched The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, very very good movie. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's actually a little short for what it's trying to do. I think that like for three hours, I think that it doesn't spend enough time yeah. in the first section. I think like another like half hour would have evened out the film more. No, yeah, I, I remember I remember watching it and thinking that. Um, maybe not, like, the whole ending, but, like, the very, very ending was very, like, snap, snap. Yeah, I think like, the very, very ending, and I like, think the very beginning. Yeah. But I'm like, come on! But no, the middle cool. section's fantastic. It's a great, it's a fun time. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I, I really enjoyed it because uh, me and a buddy wanted to watch it. And we pulled everyone else in because I had only I only seen like the first hour ish of the movie in college, but I apparently rated it on Letterbox. Even though I don't hmm. know, um, and I thought it was really good. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Very fun, very fast, very. Uh, it's, it's pretty different from a lot of his movies. Like it feels like a Martin Scorsese movie, but it's got just a much more like manic energy to it. Yeah. Which I kind of liked because literally every character was doing drugs on screen. Yes. Like, at any time they're... Scorsese. Yes. Yeah. Anytime a character is on screen, you, you best know they were popping lewds or doing lines of coke or song. Yeah. I don't think it's, like, anywhere near the top of Scorsese's catalog. No, me But it's, like... And I don't think it's really going to be, like, remembered as anything, like, special in his catalog. I think, it'll, I think be, it'll be remembered as, like, a fun film. Yeah, I think it'll be, like, towards, like, the top end of his catalog. Yeah, like, I, I guess I, I think I've only seen, like, five Scorsese. Yeah, because so. he's this directed my a first, lot of movies. This yeah. is my he's first Scorsese like movie. Like this is your first one? Never seen another Scorsese movie. Watch Watch Goodfellas. I just haven't seen Goodfellas. Goodfellas. You, you could get away with watching, like, a lot of movies, but I feel like Goodfellas is a really good representation of, like, what a lot of people like from Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like... The I like Hugo. Um, I never really... I saw, like, bits from, like, the trailers and stuff. Um, it's a movie. Yeah, I'll probably watch it eventually. Um, it's it, not I, a robot. I just... It didn't catch my eye when I was, like, 12. Wasn't funny enough. Uh, we watched two Yu-Gi-Oh! movies. Oh. Yeah. Um, the first one being the, uh, the 3D Bonds Beyond Time film, which is a crossover between Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh GX, and Yu-Gi-Oh 5Ds, in, uh, which Jade and Yugi and Yusei get together to stop a guy from destroying dual monsters across all timelines. Epic. Because in his world, dual monsters has caused the Earth to, like, implode in on itself. They just, like, never really explained that. That's great. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think uh, that's fine. <laughs> it's, it's just, like, a 45, like, 50-minute movie thing. Right. It was fun. I love Yu-Gi-Oh! So, I love, yeah. like, the corny cheesiness of Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, so. no, it was, it, yeah. Was, it was a good time. I liked seeing... You, you don't like the corny cheesiness of Yu-Gi-Oh! I just never got into it when I was a kid. Well, that's like, fair. that's that's one of the first shows I watched, so... Ah, yeah, like, it, was, it was definitely... I've seen it. For all of my life, pretty much. Yeah, no, it's, it was definitely one of my earlier obsessions in life. Mm. So there's, there's a lot of fun memories tied to it. I remember collecting the cards because I was, like, really into Pokemon cards. So mm. I just kind of, like, branched off into Yu-Gi-Oh. I've, I've been an on and I off... I played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh for 12 years. I've been an on and off player of the game. Mm. I will, like... I, I'll, I'll pay attention to it from time to time, but then I'm like, man, this game's garbage, but I kind of like playing the it. game's so fucking broken <laughs> to its very core. Yeah. Its core mechanics are broken. I don't understand how it was greenlit. <laughs> when games far superior like Magic already existed. And I'm just like, how are you going to make a game so fucking broken? Like, Magic's also broken in some senses, but Jesus. <laughs> um... Then we watched uh, the masterpiece Dark Side of Dimension. That's the other Yu-Gi-Oh movie we watched, yes. which and is the uh, it's a direct follow up to the original series. Okay, um, in which Seto Kaiba 
is searching for the Millennium Puzzle to get the Pharaoh back. It's very good. Is that the one with the... I saw the, like, first Yu-Gi-Oh! movie, and I remember it had, like, mummies in it. Yeah. No, that's... Uh, the, yeah, the first movie, it was just called Yu-Gi-Oh! the movie. I think. Oh, okay. Um, and that takes place, I think, during, like, one of the final arcs. I think so, I can't yeah. remember off the top of my head. I want to rewatch that one, though. Okay. But no, this one came out in 2016. Ah. They're yeah. like, we're going to follow it. It looks fantastic. Yeah, the 2D is- animation is... Like fucking amazing! It it is it is incredible. Even like the the three D animation actually looks pretty good. Yeah, because they only do it for like the cards, so it makes sense mm. in that. Because and like, a few oh. of the other like otherworldly effects, like our main antagonist has like this weird cube shaped dual disc that's in CG, and I think that does a lot to kind of sell that. It's this like it's not real. Yeah, <laughs> but it's huh. uh, it was really really fucking good. It's really funny. Yu-Gi-Oh's really funny. Yeah. Shadow Kaiba's really funny. He's like, tech has no limits when you're a billionaire. True. <laughs> he has, he has a, a space elevator. Yeah. Oh. And at the top, all he has is a little space station where he just keeps the Millennium Puzzle. That's like all it's for. I mean... That, that's kind of cool, though. I, I know. He just does things. At one point, he flies in on a fighter jet, and before it lands, he jumps out. Oh, wow. <laughs> Epic. Oh, it's, it, it's got a lot of, like, the bullshit of Yu-Gi-Oh!, but, like, just amped up to 11, and I fucking love that. But also, like, the entire movie wasn't taken up by duels, which I also really loved. Mm. It was really only... I think they only dueled, like, four times in a two-hour runtime, but it took, like... Less time. Most duels in Yu-Gi-Oh! are like, this is five episodes long! No, I think I think the longest duel was like maybe 25 minutes, and that was just the big climactic duel, because it was mm-hmm. kind of two duels back together. It was a lot of just like, you know, these characters are figuring out what they want to do in life, but oh no, the world's ending because oh, no. of a children's I card game. A weirdo. <laughs> uh, we watched VHS 2. Uh, I haven't seen either of the VHS movies. Well, I guess... There's three, but we talked about the third. I saw the first one, like, when it first came out, and I remember not being very impressed. I might like it more now. Ah, VHS 2's bad. Um, Ah, maybe not. The the third uh, section is by Gareth Evans, the guy who did The Raid. Oh, okay. Um, And it's it's co-directed by the guy who... He worked with Gareth Evans a lot. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he also directed uh, The Night Comes for Us, that movie. I don't know if you watched it. I know we watched it on a movie day. Yeah. Um, it's another action movie with the same pretty much cast from The Raid. Um, and that that section was fantastic. I loved the third part and then the rest that was just the, pretty... That was the cult one, right? Yeah. And I'm sad I had to talk to my mom pretty much during the entire runtime of that movie. And the second... the second There's four main shorts. I like the second one fine, too. But then the rest is just garbage. The framed... The story that frames it is bad. The first and fourth are bad. So it's, it's just a bad movie, but... That's a great, great part in it. I really liked uh, being on the phone with my mom discussing, you know, what's been going on with our lives and then looking up at my screen and seeing, um, like, 20, die. Pe- 20 people commit suicide and then another guy blow his face off with a shotgun. And I just kind of went, oh, okay, cool. Uh, I watched Spiral, which I was kind of scared to. Like Uzumaki? Um, no, uh, it was Rasen, uh, which is the... Um, the sequel book to Ringu. Okay. So, then in the original trilogy of books, it was Ring Spiral Loop. Um, and I was very excited and very scared to watch this. Cause this is, so this is the, 
Ring has a weird production. Um, as they were making Ring, they also made Spiral. Okay. By a different crew, but some of the same cast return. And then they were released at the same time in theaters. Huh. Like, there was a joint release. They sometimes had double billing. But uh, Ringu was, like, critically acclaimed. Everybody's like, whoa, Ring! And everybody kind of, like, was pretty meh, which is bad on Spiral. So it's, like, got super forgotten. Especially because the very next year, they released Ringu 2, which yeah. retconned it. Okay. Like, it, it, it took, took it out of the time. <laughs> hmm. However, then later on, in, like, 2012, Sadako 3D came out, which... It has a terrible name and it's apparently pretty bad, but that's a direct sequel to Spiral because so, he wrote more books and uh, S, I believe it was called, was a sequel to like the trilogy. Maybe so, it's just like okay. a split timeline kind of thing. Well, yeah. it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just a movie series with two timelines that like Halloween's got like fucking yeah, Halloween three or four now. Um, there's also a prequel that's based on one of his books that's only in the Ringu two timeline. <laughs> Huh. But, so I watched it. I was very... Uh, people kept saying it was really boring. I really, really liked it. I didn't like it as much as, like, Ringu, but I, I really enjoyed it. It it took turns I was not expecting at all. Uh, Sonico's, like, sexy in it. Huh. And I, I guess she's actually, like, 19 or 20. I thought she was, like, a child. Yeah. But apparently not. Yeah. Because they, they don't... They don't her. show it. I just assumed because they talk about she was their kid, so I'm like, oh. Uh, yeah. But I guess they probably like a carryover from watching like the remake from like such yeah. a young age. Yeah. Because like you never like see something. And she's just kids. short. Yeah. I, I really like that shot in uh, Ringu where they're like living the flashback, and she's like just like walking around the classroom and she's like, <laughs> like just goes up and grabs her I, I like that. It's funny. <laughs> um, um, okay. But I, I was a really big fan of it. I, I like the twist. I wasn't sure about the twist. I'm like, what the fuck? This changes everything. But it, I thought the storytelling was excellent. And I, I'm very excited. I'm going to read the books eventually. Uh but I, I thought it was great. I'm like, this is fun. This is a fun movie. Uh, I watched Thelma, which is like a like a gay superhero origin story. Okay. Uh, it's about this girl who like keeps having seizures and like things like supernatural things happen when that happens. She got infected with the gay, right? No, but oh. that that oh, that was a pretty decent movie. She, she um, it's by it's by a, like a distance. What was that, Joe? She fell ploys the liberal agenda. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Uh, it's directed by like a distant relative of Lars von Trier. Hmm. Oh, I think his name's like Joaquin Trier or something like that. Interesting. Uh, and then I watched Underwater and Like a Boss. Yeah. Underwater was actually pretty decent. Um, Monsters, that's really good. Yeah, I watched I watched uh, both your reviews. Oh, wow. Um, I watched Spies in Disguise. Yep. What? Which wasn't as bad as I thought, but it wasn't good. Yeah, it was fine. Um, Will Smith says the N-word. Whoa! He doesn't, he doesn't say the N-word. There's, there's one censored word, which I'm fairly sure was fuck, but London had to go to the bathroom during that time. When he came back, he's like, why did I miss? I'm like, Will Smith said the N-word. <laughs> um, Is that like the first time? I don't think I've ever... 
He didn't actually say. He didn't actually say. Oh, they they censor one word, and Joe's pretty sure it was fuck. Okay, yeah, I I see what you mean now. Okay, I I was just Uh, mess. I was I was doing an epic gamer troll. See, I thought they censored the fuck, but they left the end. (laughs) (laughs) That was die breaking barriers. Um, and then we watched Interstellar five 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 five. If you've seen that. No. It's an anime that is pretty much just a 55 minute long music video for the Daft Punk album Discovery. Oh, is that where like, uh. The, the blue people? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, like, that's what that is. They, Get Lucky, the song that they do that on? No. Get no. Lucky, um, was in their 2013 album, uh, Random Access Memories. Well, what, what fucking song is it that? Uh, they're really popular. Stronger. Music video. It's not Stronger. Um. Not the one I'm thinking of. Uh, one more time. Yeah. Oh, is that called Stronger? No, 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 there's no another that's, song that's called on One More Time. Oh, those, okay. are, those are probably the two popular songs from the album. Most popular, yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought it was great. Yeah. I really enjoyed well, it. I really love Daft Punk. So. Yeah, I'll have to check it out because I like Daft Punk. So. Never, it's, it's literally just like... I, I think it's not even really a movie in a lot of sense. Like, there's no dialogue. It's just... The, it's just a really long music video, but I think it's great. I, I like stuff like I that. I love Shep. Shep? Yeah, Shep. Is that like the character? One of them's named Shep. I love him. Okay. <laughs> uh, I thought it was good. I never really listened to Daft Punk apart from like the popular songs that would always play on the radio. Yeah, that's pretty much my, my case, too. And Dog It is kind of like my first album experience for Daft Punk. Ooh, they do that sick song of Paul Williams' Touch. That song is a fucking masterpiece. Okay. Uh, I rewatched Book Smart. Oh, nice! I still I, haven't seen. I that. think it's a great movie. I'm I'm a really big fan of that, I'll especially for Olivia Wilde's like directorial debut. Fantastic! Really, really good movie. Um, yeah, I watched that with my girlfriend, and then with Julia and Pierre, I watched Sunday in the Park with George, which is a Stephen Sondheim musical. Okay. Um, and we watched the. 19, I think, like, 86 Pro Shot, which has Mandy Patinkin in the main role. Oh. And uh, Bernadette Peters, who's fantastic. Uh, the music in it's fantastic. I would definitely recommend like, giving that a listen. But the story's pretty bad. Okay. It's, like, somehow the best musical ever and the worst thing ever. <laughs> but it's sense. decent still. Um, and then I watched Ride Your Wave, which is the new Masaki Yuasa film. Um, he did, like, Lou Over the Wall, Mind Game. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Girl. He, or, uh, for a serialized work, he did uh, Ping Pong the Animation, ah. Devil Man Crybaby, Devil Man Crybaby, uh, Tommy Jones. Yeah. Uh, he's a new show airing um, that I've been meaning to start watching just because I love Misaki Yuasa. And I really liked Ride Your Wave. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was one of the weaker of his films. I'm not, like, huge on him. I Like, one of his films I think is fantastic, and then the rest are, like, pretty good. I haven't, like, disliked pretty much anything he's, like, solely directed, but um, this one was pretty good. Okay. I really I really like this movie. I, but I like a lot of things that he works on, even though, like, I haven't been able to hold my attention with The Old Man Crybaby. I still haven't finished him on, like, episode seven. Yeah, um, I've had a, because like, I, I tried watching that. I've also tried reading the manga for Devil Man. Um, I have a hard time getting into that story, too. No, I mean, like, and also, like, for, like, when we started watching it, I've been in just, like, weird headspaces whenever I'm, like, trying to sit down and watch it, and just, like, couldn't keep my attention, which is not a fault of it, because uh, it has been critically loved. Yeah. 
Um, and I totally get that. I just, for me, I've just never been in a good or the right mind space to watch it. And I keep meaning to watch to Tommy I'm Galaxy. In the right headspace to receive information that could potentially harm you. I'm in the right headspace to read, to fuck. Um, but I, I, I really liked it. It's a very small scale, intimate story that's really well animated, but anything behind Misaki Yuasa and Science Star is going to look simple, but really, really fluid and emotional. And I really, really like that. Cool. All right. Yeah, because well, I remember you telling me about uh, Mind Games. Um, and that's one that I've been meaning to check out. Mind Games is um, really fucking weird. Yeah. Everybody really loved Mind Game. I, I unfortunately wasn't as huge on it as most people. I thought that, like, the first 30 minutes is, like, perfection. Okay. And the rest is not. I still enjoyed it, but I just... It's just Pinocchio after that point. Huh. I I just kind of liked it just because, again, the visuals are fucking insane. Yeah. And I just kind of was like, I don't care what story you sell me, but I love these visuals that are, that are happening in front of my eyes. It's a... Feast for the eyes. Mm-hmm. Huh. And yeah, that's what I that's what I watched this week. That was also what I watched. Epic. I also watched a short from Wes Anderson called Castello Cavalcanti. Ah, how was it? It's pretty good. Um, it was like fine. It's, I felt like it was too short to really mean anything, but. Mm. It was Jason Schwartzman. He was like a race car driver, and then he crashes in a small town. And he's like, "Oh, this town secretly has all my ancestors." Huh. It's just funny. It's just a funny little film. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful film. It's eight minutes long. I'd recommend it. Okay, I'll check it out. One more time, and I believe that's it. Thanks for watching, Eric. No. <laughs> oh. Oh, wait, we have a whole podcast to record. Yeah, we've got three movies to talk about. As soon as I uh, send Thomas a bunch of pictures of Shep. Yeah, the, the, I see that. Yep. Oh, um, so while, while London is sending but pictures... done. Oh, well, he's done. Um, the Oscar nominations oh, got yeah. released today. Yes, let's talk about these, because I have words for you. I haven't heard them, so this is all going to be like my genuine... All right, so let's begin. Uh, let's begin with Best Picture. That's the big one, right? Nope. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino, Irishman by Martin Scorsese, Parasite by Mr. Bong Joon-ho, 1970 by uh, Sam Mendes... Marriage Story by fucking uh, Noah Baumbach, Jojo Rabbit by Taika Waititi, Little Women by Greta Gerwig, and Ford vs. Ferrari by James Mangle. Got a few good choices in there. Yeah, I, th- I don't think um, Joker should be there. I personally don't think, I like Jojo Rabbit, but I don't think it should be there. I, I think Taika Waititi deserves <laughs> every Oscar ever, but maybe not for Jojo Rabbit. Um, I haven't seen Once Upon a Time. Time in Hollywood, or The Irishman, or 1917, or Ford versus Ferrari. 
Yeah, Ford versus so, Ferrari feels like a weird. I know that Ford versus Ferrari, like technically, is really fun to watch. I've seen a bunch of behind the scenes footage from it, and I think James Mangold's a great director. So I don't like doubt that it's a good film. I just don't know if it's best picture material. Mm. Yeah, um, I haven't seen Little Women, but I feel like that'd probably be like a safe pick for them. Yeah, I've, I've Greta Gerwig's a great director. So. I, I doubt they'll pick it though. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, doubt uh, they'll pick a woman yeah. directed film. Uh, my 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 heart goes to either Marriage Story, which I I would give that one like best screenplay or best performances for sure, um, or Parasite. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen four movies on this list, and of the four that I've seen, two of them I thought were bad. Mm. Those two movies that I thought were bad were Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Joker. Um, You've seen five of these movies. I don't... You saw Jojo Rabbit? Marriage one, Story. One, two, three, four... I can count today. Ah. Um, yeah, so I gave it a six, Once yeah. Upon. No, I, I gave it, like, a two or a three... I don't think uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Joker are, like, necessarily bad, but they're far from... Okay, no, I did give it a six. Okay, because I remember when I talked to you right after you saw it, you're like, you know, I liked it enough, but I just didn't really connect with it. I'm like, what happened? Am I in an alternate timeline? Yeah, but I've I've learned I don't like a lot of uh, critically loved movies, especially from this last year. Where everyone was like going freaking out over Once Upon a Time, like it's all right. That that's it's like fine. a that's kind of like a general critics pick though. Like that's mm. the one that like a lot of people flock to. It's like common ground between critics and general audiences are okay. typically like yeah. Tarantino's film. So you'll hear whenever Tarantino releases a film, you'll hear that talked about on a much like bigger scale than you would your typical movie. No, that's that's fair. I mean, I'm only. Like, the only other Tarantino movie I've seen was Pulp Fiction, and I watched that in college, and I'm like, it's fun. Yeah, it was like good. Pulp Fiction. That's probably like my favorite film of his. Um, yeah, no, but of the of the list, like, there's still a bunch of movies on here. I want to see. I pretty much want to see everything that I haven't seen besides Ford versus Ferrari. Just whatever. Mm. Um, but I mean, man, yeah, my my pick would definitely be for Parasite, just because sexy. Uh, I wish Jojo Rabbit would win it, but I don't think it it would, just because also Taika Waititi is sexy. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I would, because I liked Marriage Story more than I liked Parasite, but I would say I, I'm, I'm rooting for Parasite, because I think it'd be really cool for a Korean movie to win Best Picture, because, like, yeah. you know, foreign films winning over here is really well, that's why, like, atypical, uh, so... On Letterboxd now, it, it already was the highest film, but now it's just the highest rated thing on Letterboxd right now, even above all those, like, Blue Planet 2, all those, like, really big miniseries. Yeah. And even though, like, it's not my favorite from Wong Joon-ho, and it's not my favorite yeah. movie, I'm glad that, like, the Letterboxd itself isn't just so Western-centric, because I'm yeah. like, can we, like, not pretend that, like, Western media is the only thing, like, they're... Bril- especially South Korea. There are so many brilliant movies coming out from South Korea. Yeah, that, that's one thing I'll give to Letterbox over IMDb. When I used primarily IMDb, I had a really hard time finding like foreign movies. I and I, I found like, so many great foreign films from Letterbox. Yeah, because the lots because like the lists are more easily accessible. Like I can just search list topics. You can't do that on like regular IMDb. I don't know if you can on one of their like paid mm. perks, but. Um, 
Yeah, so I like being able to, like, kind of look up, like, oh, I want this type of movie, and finding lists that would, like, carry those type of movies. Totally. It's, totally. There's a lot more, like, cinematic people on Letterboxd who, like, kind of have a deeper understanding of film. Yeah, and there's a bunch of people that just, TV. like, or just go on it to goof around and stuff. Yeah, that's too. great, too. I'm glad that there's, I'm it's glad a nice there's like, all the walks of life and all, like, people that love cinema and film and movies, you know? Mm-hmm. If you want to shitpost a review, you can put these nuts for a review and have it be there. Yeah. <laughs> 7,000 likes! Yes! These nuts! Yeah. yeah. These nuts! I think my most liked review was uh, Hulk Dab's Epic for Endgame. So... Yeah. Uh, so then next... I didn't mark that as spoilers. Uh, and then uh, next up for best leading... Uh, best actress in a leading role, we have uh, Renee Zellweger from Judy. Uh, Charlize Theron from Bombshell, Scarlett Johansson from Marriage Story, uh, Sersha. That's how you pronounce it. Okay, I was Sersha Ronan. Yeah. Okay. I, I was, didn't know that. I was about to turn to you. I your sh- pronunciation. I was just butchered it. Yeah, Sersha Ronan. From and then uh, uh, Cynthia Erivo from Harriet. Yes. I've only seen see one Harriet. of these movies. I'm going to see Little Women today later, obviously, so I can't uh, speak I for think Sersha should fucking win this. Like, it'd be great to have her, like, get a win this young, too. Mm-hmm. I think Scarlett Johansson, even though I disagree with her stances on a lot of things, and I think she's kind of an idiot in real life. I, I, I uh, haven't, like, done any sort of deep dive She's, like, she just doesn't really think before, like... Talking. Uh, I like her uh, acting. She's a great actress. I can say that, but I I think that Saoirse Ronan does a little bit of a better job of Little Women. I'm I'm interested to see how much I'm going to like her. I'm sure I'll like her performance, but I. But you are you already saw uh, the adaptation of Little Women. You yeah, enjoyed, and so. so now Joe in my heart is forever Winona Ryder. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. gonna it's gonna be interesting. Uh, I am I am sad that or it makes sense. I wish Florence Pugh from Midsummer was on here because her performance in that movie was so. I still haven't good. seen Midsummer. It's on Prime now, so I'll probably get around to watch it. I really liked Midsummer. It was one of my favorite movies of last year. I wasn't. I super... thought Midsummer was a pretty okay film. I'll, I'll probably walk out with that opinion. I wasn't super crazy about Hereditary. See, but... I personally was. I thought it was great. I didn't think it was like 9 or 10 material, but I think I gave it an 8. I think I, I really I'll, enjoyed it. I'll probably watch Hereditary because I think the reason why I was so like disenchanted with it is because my expectations versus what the film was. Yeah. And maybe like watching it, knowing what it is, I'll probably... I think that might just more. be A24 being it's funny marketing cell. Because I really wanted like a good psychological horror movie and I thought like a lot of the concept was really interesting. Like, um, spoiler alert, minor, like not like end spoilers, kind of like 20 minutes into the movie spoiler alert for Hereditary. But, um, I would have much preferred just to watch like a drama in this like situation where like this irresponsible son gets his little mm. sister killed and deal I, with like the drama of that no, but I then could, I could definitely see that went down the horror route and I didn't it was like supernatural and I was just like eh so it was fine with the supernatural aspect I was expecting it to be psychological I, and that's kind of what I wanted out of it about this category I think it's a little ridiculous that Aquafina isn't on this list for the farewell, especially because she just won a Golden Globe for her performance in it. Yeah. And I'm just like, she's not even nominated. She, she did pretty good. I enjoyed like, it. I, yeah. I, 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 I wasn't as like fond of the farewell as some people are. Like, I thought of, I really enjoyed it, but I wasn't blown away by like some people. Yeah. I, 
I think it's ridiculous that, like, just, oh, she's just not there. No, I, I can agree with that. Especially seen as, like, the only movies I think I've seen with Aquafina in it were Crazy Rich Asians and then The Farewell. I've only seen The Farewell. And, yeah, no, she's a brilliant actor. Or actress, sorry. Actor. Um, yeah, that's, that's one of those things. Um, yeah, it's it's like doctor versus doctoress. It's like, man, it's not really necessary. They're both just doctors. No, it's, it's like waiter versus uh, waitress. Whereas when I was a server, we were all just called servers. Exactly. I think... I think Cho Yo or Cho Yi Jong from uh, Parasite. She's the one of the main ladies in that. I think she should have got uh, her. Known. She the rich mom, their mom, or like the like daughter. Like who does she play? Uh, she plays the rich mother, I believe. Okay. okay. I even st- regardless, you know, all the all the. I think some Parasite. of them. I don't think any of them got noms. Uh, I don't believe I so. think Parasite did, but I'm just like, no fucking Song Kang Ho. God, could you imagine if Song Kang Ho was in Best Actor category? No Choi Woo Sheik. <laughs> oh God, if Song Kang <laughs> I was I was, was watching an interview with him because they've been going to a bunch of award shows because Parasite's been fucking sweeping a bunch of them. Yeah. and he's just like, the best thing I like about America is everybody thinks I'm sexy. <laughs> and it's like in South Korea, people don't think I'm sexy. Wait, who is this? Song Kang Ho. Song Kang Ho. I mean, I mean, he's like in in South Korea, people think I look kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that you guys think I'm sexy. Oh, that's that. I and love that. There was that interview. He's like, yeah, Parasite is fine, but you should watch Memories of Murder because I'm in it more. <laughs> Fucking, yeah. Oh. And in that same interview, Bong Joon-ho's like, yeah, Zodiac's really good, but just remember, Memories of Murder came out like four years before. I need to watch some of these interviews, because those sound amazing. And then there was, uh, I think it was at the Golden Globes, um, his translator and him said, like, I, I just hope that Western audiences can realize once you get past the one-inch barrier of subtitles, you'll be open to a wide world of fantastic oh, films. Oh, I know. I That's, like, my biggest complaint with, like, people. Whenever they're like, ah, I don't like to read my movies. It's like, ah, fuck off. But you'll still watch Netflix with subtitles. Yeah. yeah exactly. You'll be like, oh, I gotta be quiet. I'll turn it down all the way. Yeah. Um, you want to handle the next category? Lundin? Yeah, best actor in a leading role. We got Joaquin Phoenix for The Joker. We got Adam Driver for Marriage Story. Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. And Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. That's the thing that I'm like, what the fuck? I haven't seen The Two Popes yeah, yet. Yeah, I haven't seen But the that's Popes. another... I was not expecting The Two Popes to be uh Oscar contender. So that's three Netflix movies that are as the Hawks. Uh, I want to say the two popes got yeah, I got three noms. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, I think Antonio Banderas's uh, movie choice for this year was wrong. It should have been Dora. <laughs> I've heard Pain and Glory is incredible. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I haven't seen Pain and Glory, and I haven't seen the two popes. I would probably give it to Adam Driver personally. Yeah, Adam Driver, fucking like Marriage Story isn't my favorite film from last year. It's one of them, but. He fucking is incredible. It, it, it annihilates. He's it's so good. Should have been Song Kang Ho, but you know, I feel so bad for Adam Driver because he's like, no, I can't watch any of my movies. Yeah, I get it. Uh, one. The big thing that caused that was uh, a scene in um, Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, as a um, yeah, 
Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he plays like a big goofball in that movie. Mm. And he watches and he's just like, oh, and he like stopped after that. Yeah, because uh, I was listening to a lot of the like marriage story, like kind of press interviews that they've been doing. And yep. uh, yeah, he's just like, no, like Noah Baumbach says he gets like calls from him. And he's like, so I've got ideas for what I could do with my character from uh from like Francis Ha and he's, he'll just reflect on like what he should have done back then and he'll ne- he just gets stuck on it. Yeah. He's like forget it, I'll just do it, be done with it, move forward and just do something else. One well, uh um, let the past die, kill it if you have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's that I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but whenever he goes to a film festival, you're supposed to like after after a movie plays it'll like show all the cameras to the persons like the actors and the crew. And he hates watching his own film. So the credits will start, like, the movie will start, he'll walk away and sit in, like, the green room. And then, like, five minutes before the movie ends, he'll go back to his seat. Uh, so he just, like, sits on his phone or something just in the green room for, like, two hours. Yeah. Huh. Oh. Poor guy. But, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. whatever works for him. Yeah. All right. Next category is Best Director. Best director. We have Martin Scorsese with The Irishman, Quentin Tarantino with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Bong Joon-ho in Parasite, uh, Sam Mendes with 1917, and Todd Phillips with Joker. Oh, dude. Bong we mentioned, we, we went through, yeah. we just kind of breezed through the Oscar noms before we started, and, uh, London. Greta Gerwig wasn't on there. Yeah, Greta Gerwig's not on there, which is pretty ridiculous, as well as there are a bunch of female directors from this year. Lulu Wang is not on there. She directed uh, The Farewell, which had some great direction. Um, but uh, you mentioned Booksmart. Olivia Wilde wasn't Olivia on. Wilde's not on there. Uh, fucking Celine Sciamma for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Really? That got no nominations. And it's like... I've heard literally nothing but good yeah, things Yeah, I haven't movie. seen it yet, but it's like... Yeah, I haven't the, seen it yet either. I think it's the second or third highest rated movie of the year on, like, Letterboxd. It had... It's super high up on, like, everything. Has it been released... Or not released, uh, released to, uh, like, the main chain of theaters, or just... Actually, I don't know, because I know it's going through Neon, so... Uh, there's always the chance it technically hasn't been released yet. I, I think there have been a few small showings, like a few small releases, yeah, but I nothing, don't know. nothing it, big. It doesn't have to have a wide release to be in the Oscars, right? Because it was... I, or, I, actually, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. I'll just sure. I'll just pretend that's why. <laughs> uh, my pick's Bong Joon-ho, obviously. Yeah. Um, Out of what they, like, offer, yeah. Yeah, I mean, out of what they've offered me, I... Maureen Scafaria didn't get a nom. She did Hustlers, you know. There are a bunch of of movies that had great direction. There there were... I believe this is, like, the highest... The year with the most female directors. And having zero female directors in the, like... Hashtag, where the woman at? Like, seriously, it's fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean... But you put it, Todd... Yeah, Todd, Todd Phillips, like, it, I mean, granted, this movie was better than the Hangover trilogy, but, I mean, I don't, think, I don't know. I don't think, I like, Hang- I've only seen Hangover 1, and I like that way more than I like Joker. I fucking you hate ha- the Hangover It's because you haven't seen the Hangover 2 and 3 that you're uh, looking okay. at it through the rose. Oh, good. I love, I love movies later on in its series that make the original retroactively terrible. Like The Last Jedi. <laughs> Got him. Just um, kidding. But... Yeah, like... I mean, and also, like, when you look at Best Director, like, there are two of probably the most prominent directors, prominent living directors, up for nomination in Martin Scorsese and Tarantino. 
They, one of them most likely will get it. I, yeah. Unfortunately, I doubt Bong Joon-ho will. Just, yeah, it's because of the, like, way the Oscars work. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think somebody's going to win, like, a If four they don't it. give it to Bong Joon-ho, then they should give it to Scorsese, probably, out of what Actually, maybe to. Sam Mendes will. It's been doing really well yeah. in the circuit as well. Yeah, what did Sam Mendes direct? 1917. Oh, yeah. Which I, I, have, I haven't seen yeah. it yet, so. I almost saw it the other day, but we still spies in disguise Oh, the theater man. was full. Great choice. Ah. Yeah, well, it wasn't, like, full, full, but, but it, was, it had just that, started. Yeah. Like, I would have been, like, five minutes late, and I'm like, I don't want to sit down. I was just like, ah. All right, next category, London. Best actor in a supporting role. Uh, Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Al Pacino, The Irishman. Joe Pesci, The Irishman. Uh, Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And Anthony Hopkins and the Two Popes. Immediately right I'm sorry, that. hold on. I I haven't seen A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Supporting role? Yeah, uh, he's this not story, the... the story doesn't really center around Mr. Rogers. It's, it's a story about someone who interacted with Mr. Rogers. Oh. Yeah, it's, I think the main character in it is that guy that uh, he's like a journalist. He's kind of like yeah, a Yeah, I remember that line yeah. from the trailer. I was like, you're not going to ruin my childhood. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to uh, see it. Tom Hanks fucking, like, killed it in Beautiful Day in Neighborhood for me. Like, a lot of people are like, it's just kind of Tom Hanks. And I'm like, I understand that that's just a lot of things I mean, he's been in just because he's... His voice sounded like Mr. Rogers. It, his performance as Mr. Rogers was really incredible. But one of the common criticisms I've seen with that movie is, like, it doesn't really feel like Mr. Rogers. It feels like kind of just Tom Hanks. And I'm like, I wonder if that's... What's just- the difference? <laughs> exactly. I say that. And also, I'm like, I feel like that's probably also just an issue of his... Stardom more than his acting prowess because I thought he did wonderfully. That movie made me cry so many times, and I don't cry a lot. Mm. Uh, there's this like amazing like two minute monologue where he just spikes the camera and just goes on. As the the context is, he's talking to the reporter, yeah. but he just spikes the camera and just stares right ahead at it, and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. fucking killed me. It, it so good. So that's that's where my my vote is for. I'll have to watch it once I hit that rental. I haven't seen any of these movies, so yeah. Uh, I I liked Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time. Honestly, I I think the movie would have been better if it was just Leo and Brad Pitt kind of just going around doing things because that was probably one of my more favorite things. Oh, what, what was your gripe with it? The Margot Robbie focus. Uh. Like, I didn't understand that it was about Charlie Manson. Like, it kind of, like, is this weird, weird, like, alternate history thing. Yeah. Like, that all just kind of went right over my head because I'm a dumb-dumb. Until afterwards, I heard it was like, no, it was about Manson. Because I, the name, uh, uh, fucking, what was Margot Robbie's character's name? Uh, Uh, She plays... uh, The chick that died. The famous chick that died from Manson killings. I, I know the name. It's like right Sharon Tate. Sharon, Sharon Tate. Tate. Yes. Um, so that that, from that name didn't ring any bells. So a lot, a lot of what the movie was trying to talk about just went right over my head. Mm. Um, which I think is fine, but also for people like me who all just consider myself general audience, you know, not. Bald people. Uh, any, all of us bald. I represent every single bald person in the world right now. Ah, okay. Um, I don't know. Just maybe a harder cue on those things. Mm. Um, I, I get it. People like to dig through those things, and I'm totally for for that and fine with that. It just it didn't 
strike well with me. I, I feel it. Um, I can see why you would. If Brad Pitt got a nomination, I think he should have gotten Best Actor for Ad Astra. I think he's fantastic in that yep. movie. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm probably going to watch that one here. Like, uh, really good. I rewatched most of it on a plane and then I conked out because I'd already seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so beautiful. So well made. Um, all right. We got Best Actress in a Supporting Role. We got Laura Dern in Marriage Story. We got Margot Robbie in Bombshell. We have Florence Pugh in Little Women. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit, and Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell. I didn't end up seeing Richard Jewell. I was going to, but... Uh, this one I'll have to wait for, like, the yeah. rental. Um, I've only seen Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit and uh, Laura Dern beats out Johansson for me. Little, Laura Dern, uh, I believe she won a Golden Globe for her performance in Marriage Story. She does a really um, good job. Yeah, she does. I, I feel like I gotta get at the little woman again. I, I don't know. Yeah, I Florence haven't seen Pugh's it. She's fantastic. I love her. I, I love that she's getting a lot of these big I, roles. I personally like her role in this more than her role in Midsommar, which I, I like. Or I think she's good in Midsommar, but she's so she's so good in Little who, Women. Who does and she play in Little Women? Uh, um, is it Joe? There's Joe, there's Beth, there's uh, Meg, I believe. The like older sister, the more like responsible one. I thought that was Joe. Joe's Joe's like the uh, she. I, Joe might be the oldest. I don't know. I, I believe Joe's the oldest. Um. The no, actor. no. Just kidding. Uh, Emma Watson plays the oldest. Okay. Um. She the one that paints. Is there a painter? The, in the one. Um. I not in the movie, but I listened to like the first like little bit of the audiobook and there was someone who like talked about drawing. I think it was the little girl, but I don't know. I don't know. because uh, uh, I didn't watch the movie before. Beth I had is done the that. youngest, right? I think so. Yes. Amy. Amy, that's her name. Amy March. Okay. I've heard that Amy March is like kind of like the worst character in some of the adaptations. And she, Greta Gerwig did a good job at making her like one of the best in this one. Okay. Huh. Alright. Next category. Best animated feature film. Toy Story 4. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Missing Link. I Lost My Body and Klaus. Which marks the fourth film from Netflix, Netflix with us. Yeah. Nom. Um, Missing Link won the Golden Globe. Which, like, everyone was like, what the fuck? This <laughs> like a film that nobody, like, super loved. Which is which? I'm just glad I like a film one. You know, I, I didn't see any of them. I I I've seen everything except Missing Link. Actually, mm. um, I probably say that I enjoyed. I lost my body the most. I thought that was pretty pretty great. Um, I've only seen Toy Story Four and How to Train Your Dragon, but I think I lost my body is a little too strange and a little too. Uh, Nuanced in its storytelling, I guess, for a, a nom for animated feature film. It's also an adult animated feature film, so I doubt. No, nah. But it's about it's about a a a hand that it's trying to find its body. Oh, it okay. fights rats. Ooh, and like a bird that snaps sounds, a bird's neck. Sounds pretty interesting. It's it's, yeah. it's a French animated film. It's wait, that's also a Netflix one. What the fuck? Oh shit! Yeah. Five. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen a lot of screen caps and clips from Klaus, and it looks really. Klaus beautiful. is really well animated. The story's pretty decent. Like it, it's fun. Uh, Jason Schwartzman's the main character, and uh, oh. J.K. Simmons is the other main character. Oh. He plays Santa pretty much. Oh, 
good good casting yeah. choice there. I mean, he's usually pretty angry, but that I feel like it'd be a nice uh, unexpected cast. Mm. All right, we got best international feature film: uh, South Korea with Bong or Parasite, <laughs> South Korea with Bong Joon Ho, uh, Spain with Pain and Glory, France with Les Misérables, uh, North Macedonia with Honeyland, and Poland with Corpus Christi. Parasite. Um, it's the only movie I've seen on yeah. uh, I'm not familiar with the last two. I know that Pain and Glory is like, apparently Antonio Banderas is like career best role. Um, Pedro Almodovar, I believe his name is. Uh, he's the director. He's done a bunch of stuff. And apparently this might be his best movie as well. And I've heard the new Les Mis uh, production stuff. The movie is like fantastic, but I haven't seen it yet. I'm very interested in the other four. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's one of the weaker categories for me. All right. Ooh, this one's stacked. Best original screenplay. Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, Knives Out, 1917. I haven't seen Knives Out, so I'm going to say... Like I said, I would give Parasite Best Picture because I want the foreign film to win Best Picture, and I would, as I said earlier, I want Marriage Story for Best Screenplay because I feel like Marriage Story. Marriage Story, story like, the screenplay in Marriage Story is so good. Like, I love the screenplay in Parasite, and I like the movie more than Marriage Story, but I think, I think I, I think I would give the screenplay to Marriage Story as well. However, Actually, I might give it a Knives Out. Knives Out. Yeah, Knives Out. Yeah, I haven't seen Knives yeah. Out. Yeah, so. Knives Out's got a really, really tight screenplay mm. and a really well done screenplay. Um, yeah, no, this one's this one's stacked for me. Um, I think for me, it's it's probably Marriage Story, just because I I really like the character dynamics and it it it's real and all the dialogue is really weighty. Yeah. And they sing a sexy song. Yeah, and Adam Driver sings. Sit so. in my chair and ruin my sleep and make me aware Woo! of being alive. Anyway. Alright, we got Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, the Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, The Two Popes, and The Joker, baby. Give it to Little Women. Give it something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Little One. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Uh, Best documentary feature. Um, I've only seen one of them. I've heard great things about two of the other ones. Uh, it's American Factory, another Netflix movie. Oh, shit. Netflix, 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 Netflix is killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great, it's a great documentary. It might, it's not like my favorite doc, but it's, it's really great. And super humanistic. Um, but the Edge of Democracy, haven't seen that one. Honeyland, haven't seen that one. Uh, that also won, or is in the noms for, uh, International feature film for Sama, which I've heard is just phenomenal. That's I almost watched it last night, but then I watched the whole and drive up at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the cave, which I don't know about. Yeah, I don't know either. Yep, I haven't watched a lot of documentaries from this last year, so I'm I'm whatever. Uh, best original song. Um, I'm standing with you from Breakthrough. Uh, Into the Unknown from Frozen 2, Stand Up from Harriet, and I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man. Uh, then we have I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4. Um, yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's Rocket Man. Yeah, I mean, 
The Toy Story song is pretty decent. I'm pretty sure I've heard I'm Standing With You. It's interesting because that's just like, that's like a Christian film. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the one. Is that the that one where he's out. like a guitarist and he's like, my girlfriend's dying? No, it's, uh, if I remember correctly, I think Breakthrough's the one, um, this woman's like son like drowns right at the beginning, but he like comes back to life. Like they resuscitate him after she like prays or something. And it's, it's like, oh, God saved him. Which I've heard like for like, what is essentially like a Christian propaganda film, it's actually like pretty decent hmm. comparatively to, you know, the most pure flicks films. I don't yeah. think that's what he was probably, pure probably more well produced. Yeah. Um, into the, I thought Frozen 2's uh, weakest point was the soundtrack. I don't like Into the Unknown. I like Frozen 1's soundtrack fine. Um, but I, Into the Unknown, I think, is one of the worst songs on the soundtrack to Frozen 2, while everybody else loves it, so I'm not a fan. I'd probably give it to Rocket Man as well. I haven't heard stand up from Harriet, though, so. <laughs> yeah, and just none, none of the songs from Toy Story 4 really stood out to me. See, this is a, this is an interesting one, because I think most of these don't have good visual effects. Best visual effects, Endgame, The Lion King, Rise of Skywalker, Irishman, 1970. Why the fuck is Irishman? Actually, the fuck is Lion King going here? That movie looked. I thought it looked good. I didn't it, see it, but I thought it looked. The fun. trailers made it look impressive, but a lot of the ways that they were implemented just made everything else feel weird. Uh, I would give I, it to the Irishman because the like de aging in it was really good. I was gonna say that, but then I'm like. 1917 just won Critics' Choice for Best Editing, and people are like, that's that's silly. Like, they edit the stuff together, but that was all pre-planned and stuff. I, I think, if anything, the visual effects are how they really, uh, you know, stitch the film together to look so ste- seamless. Uh, uh, I, I, I haven't seen anything. Me neither. I, I, just, I just know about it. Um, but honestly, I'd probably give it to Endgame out of the stuff I've seen. Just yeah. Because I've only seen two of these. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, I mean... Because I thought Endgame looked really good, like if if it were with pulled, visual effects, and I if, thought there were some really good shots. If this category was uh, best puppeting effects, then Star Wars for sure. Babu freak. All right, uh, my turn, yeah. Yeah. All right, best cinematography, nineteen seventeen with Roger Deakins. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, Robert Richardson, The Irishman, Rodrigo uh, Prieto, uh, Joker, Lawrence Sher, and The Lighthouse, Jaron. Blashk? Blashk, I Blashk. Uh, Lighthouse. Immediately. Lighthouse. Uh, Lighthouse has some great cinematography. If if the Joker... If Joker wins anything, I would hope it's like cinematography or composition. I hope it doesn't win anything. Those are the only two that I'm like, that yeah, it deserves... Like, at least... At least they just think they deserve the nom for this. I thought the cinematography in Joker is really, really good. Um, I thought it was alright. It was a little too close-up for me a lot of the time. Mmm... Uh, but I I give it to the lighthouse over that. Yeah, my my vote's on the lighthouse. Oh, over. I'd I like mean, I I think parasite should be in this category. That and I would um, love the lighthouse just to win something because I, I I would personally I don't know if I would give it best picture, but I think it deserved to be at least nominated. nominated but yeah. it's not an Oscar type movie. So just let us run the Oscars. So so yeah, we should. Small brain question. So, with the choice of it um, being, was it a smaller millimeter film and being shot in black and white, is that a cinematography decision or a directorial decision? Or uh, it, was, um, it would it was be a, a director, director decision, okay. but um, it would be like the DP and cinematography 
okay. like job to like figure out the specifics of it. They'd probably be like, okay, the director's like, I want it to look like this, and basically they're like, all right, it's our job to get it to look like this. Okay, so then yeah, no, definitely nice for me. That's that's solid. Everything else, I'm like, yeah, it's fine, or I haven't seen it. Yeah. All okay. Right. Best production design. We got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, 1917, Jojo Rabbit, and Parasite. I personally would give it to Parasite because they pretty much built a, like almost every, like, like they built most of the houses and stuff in it. Mm. Like they built the main, like, house they live in and then the, the rich house. Um, they, the bottom floor was like already there, but they, digitally inserted the top floor and like there's there's a ton of really okay. weird and crazy production that you like you don't expect yeah i would um, give it i, would I give haven't it, seen the irishman though so i would give it to either parasite or i think that's the one that once upon a time might be deserving mm. of because they did a really good job like kind of setting it yeah. in the time period i can i can definitely agree with that mm-hmm. i can definitely agree with that but yeah no for me they stand parasite all the way through so Alright, uh, best makeup and hairstyling. Bombshell, Joker, Judy, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil in 1917. I have only seen the Joker. Yeah, I've only seen the Joker. I would, I haven't seen it, but I would give it to Bombshell because of the, like, the great prosthetics and makeup that they use on, um, Charlize Theron to, like, make her look just like Megyn Kelly. Because I didn't know she was in the movie. Like, I saw I'm like, where is she? And I'm like, that's her? Because yeah. they make her look completely different through makeup and hairstyling and stuff. So okay. I'd probably give it to that. Especially because Joker, apparently Joaquin Phoenix just kept going, no, I'll do it myself. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck <laughs> off. Yeah. Uh, Best costume design. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Little Women, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker. I'd give it to Little Little Women out of the stuff I've seen. Yeah, I think period. the I think the costuming's fantastic in that movie. Um, honestly, like I because I haven't seen Little Women or The Irishman. Um, like, yeah, I mean probably Jojo Rabbit for me. Uh, there's not a lot I think Jojo Rabbit's deserving of. I think at least in this, it's going up against some hard contenders. But I would like Jojo Rabbit to win something. Just because Taika Waititi God. <laughs> All right. Best original score, Joe. All right. So we have uh, 1917 with Thomas Newman. Uh, Joker with uh, Hildur. I'm not going to try. Hildur Goddard-Dutter. I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to. Goddard-Dutter. Sure. Uh, Little Women, uh, Alexandre Desplat. Uh, Marriage Story, Randy Newman, and of course, Star Wars, John Williams. I think the obvious choice here for what's actually going to win is probably Star Wars. I don't know. I think the score is like the weakest of almost any Star Wars film. I don't think it's. I would give it personally to Randy Newman for a Marriage Story. I was really. That's what I've seen. I give it to Little Women, but that's because Uh, I'm a little Women. I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot when. Randy, where it was like score by Randy Newman. Like, what the fuck is the Newman doing here? And he did a good job, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I, Randy I, Newman's a good composer. Yeah, yeah, he is. I know, but it's just in, in my it's head, the Family Guy meme. It it's toy. It's because like you're the Toy Story guy. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> but like that's um, obviously my. I, like I said, I'm fine if I guess Joker wins this one. Like I won't. It's, the, uh, other ones, I'll at least be like, I'll, I'll be angry about Joker winning this one. I wouldn't at least be angry. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't want to give this one to Joker personally. 
I don't want to get it, but I'm saying that I'd be less angry. <laughs> oh no, I'd be pretty pretty angry. Uh, there's the other. There are two categories, three categories that we, are that also, we haven't seen anything from. Yeah, we haven't seen anything from best documentary short, short, best animated short, and best live action short. So I'm just gonna skip those. Okay. Yeah, uh, but best film editing, we got Irishman, Ford versus Ferrari, Parasite, Joker, and Jojo Rabbit. 1917 got snubbed in that category, but I guess like you mentioned, it's more like that was that was yeah, a plan. Parasite. Yeah, I was gonna say. Pa- Parasite has some really filmmaking is a lot more fast paced yeah. than our movies are over here, which lends to more intense editing and yeah. more noticeable editing. So I would give it to Parasite. Yeah, Stan Parasite. All right, best sound mixing: 1917, Ford versus Ferrari, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Ad Astra, Joker, Ad Astra, yeah, Ad Astra because it hasn't been dipping, dodged. Well, also the sound mixing is great in that; it makes yeah. you feel like you're just. Alone in space. Depending on what time I get home tonight, I might like rent that one. Also, like any, I've learned to really love, probably mainly through Ad Astra, any space movie that cuts out a lot of the usual sound effects you would expect for anything, I fucking love. Because space is a vacuum, sound doesn't work. Yeah. And I'm just like, I really, (laughs) really appreciated that. Like, small things here or there, or like, from like, the perspective of the character, Mm. you know, of course they would probably hear that because sound would vibrate through them. And I I really appreciated that a lot. Okay. And the final category, best sound editing. 1917, Ford vs. Ferrari, Rise of Skywalker, once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joker. All right. Um, this might sound like a normie question here, but what, what what do they consider the difference between sound design and, like, sound what, sound editing? mixing and sound editing? Where Probably where the uh, sound is used. Is sound mixing just, like, the, like, different the, volumes they'll, like, source to stuff? I think so. Or, like, is and, it closer to compos- like sound, sound composition? Or? I always just considered, like, sound as, like, one thing. Like, you know, people go in, you know, they record, like, the obvious audio, and then there's, like, you know, sound design and stuff like that, where, you know, you gotta, like, try to studio create the sounds that would be happening, like footsteps or mm-hmm. keys jingling, whatever they're using. My but. my big dumb brain guess uh, is probably just, you know, where the sounds are used, how they're used. Hmm. In layman's terms, sound editing is about collecting the sounds needed for a film. Sound mixing refers to what is done after they are collected. Oh, okay. okay. So I had those slipped in my head. Huh. Um. I. I uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, I guess. I don't even remember what the films were. Nineteen Seventeen, Ford versus Ferrari, Rise of Skywalker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joker. Yeah, yeah out of the two I've seen, probably Once Upon a Time in I've seen uh, Give It to Joker over Rise of Skywalker, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's the Oscar noms. Um, yeah, that's a bunch of them are shit, like always. Yeah. Fuck the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's an award show, so it doesn't mean anything because everyone's doing backroom deals anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But I think it's... 
I think it's interesting to see what gets known. Because, like, saying that it's Oscar-nominated probably means more than winning to most people. Or even if you just say Oscar attached to it. To a proper... Yeah, it, people are, it, most it, people are going to be like, oh, wow, that must be good. Yeah, it gives the film, like, a huge publicity bump. And yeah. usually, like, re-release whatever, like, Oscar winners in theaters. So, for me, it's more like, I'll play into my biases for what I like more. Because I'm like, people should see these movies because I think they're really good. Yeah. A lot of the time, it's just, like, actors, like, yeah, I think that this kind of works for that, because a lot of the time, they just watch, like, DVD screeners, and it's just, like, people who are part of, like, the committee, and it's yeah. just, like, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's, a, it's a whole... It's a shit show. It's a whole stupid shit show mess, that, mess that's just PR, and I'm just like, give PR to good movies and good people. His name is pronounced Pierre. <sighs> <laughs> Speaking of which... We got three movies to talk about still. Do we have, by the way, uh, 150 is when Uncut Gems is playing, so we should probably try to finish within two Easy. hours, which Easy. will be fine. We're through, we're, we're through probably. Maybe. Like, Mulholland Drive might take a good Yeah, little, I don't yeah. know. But, um. Well, when's I, the next show? I, I think. We'll figure it. Well, well, well like we'll I said, we can work a little Yeah. Well, um, don't worry. We'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> so here's the questions for Pierre, from Pierre. Okay. Do you think that dogs are better when they are wearing hats or glasses? No saying both. Hats. Glasses. Hats. Fuck. Okay. Would you prefer the same actor to dub all their lines for each version of a film? Uh, if they are not fluent in a language, a translated script will be provided for them to read. As in, like, if they do an anime dub, just have the Japanese... If you're going to go as far as the ADR for other languages, you might as well go the Italian route, where you just have, like, an actor from that, like, area where it's being released come and dub over it. I think that's funny. It'd be... Hard, you know. I think that's a funny idea, but I don't think that works. The audiences there would be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> I asked uh, Pierre for a really good David Lynch question this time as well. Oh, okay. I need you to really think about this one. Do you think David Lynch ever went to a Burger King? What would he eat there? When, back when... I think he would order a jar of pickles. I could see him ordering that. I could see him. <laughs> I know you have that pickle, Joe! <laughs> <laughs> I know it's back there. I will give you any amount of money I have. Um, I will let you watch my film on a cell phone. You remember? I don't think you would bestow that upon anyone. You remember a couple years ago when, like, they did that, like, um, like Halloween black bund whopper? Oh, yep. Be like that. He'd be like, I need my drink to be as black as my coffee. So. Okay. What kind of soda would he drink? E.T. wouldn't. He'd order a coffee. From Burger King? Yes, from Burger King. <laughs> okay. No, I think he'd, like, have, like, a thermos that he keeps, like, under his shirt and he'd, like, sneak it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him see. Burger King. Oh, Burger King! Ah! All right, movie ideas. Thank you, Pierre, for the questions. Thomas Griffin, movie idea, go. Uh, it's like a deconstruction. It follows like a podcast host, but he's like an Alex Jonesy type podcast host. So you. A deep character study. Yeah. Joe. You ever heard of Humpty Dumpty? Are you going to do this again? Yeah. I have nothing. We n- n- neither did I. 
We oh, always just okay. No, I got it. I got it. So it's about two transformers falling in love with each other, and it's the tagline is "Can love bloom on the battlefield? Can mechanical heart beat?" There's the tagline. Wow. I would like to make a remake of um, Batman and Robin. Same cast. George Clooney, like 65 or whatever he is now. Just bring them all back. Mm. Actually, just a sequel. Batman and Robin 2. I wouldn't want that one, but I mean, it's your... your it's my idea. So. It's going to be great. Yeah. We need more Batman and Robin. Well, That was my favorite Batman film growing up. Oh, man. It's not anymore. I do not like it anymore. What's your favorite Batman film now? Out of the live action. Live action Batman Begins. Okay. I know that's not a choice most people would make, but I really like that. It's a good origin story. It's my favorite in that trilogy, like, by far. I've only seen the first movie in that trilogy. I'm not the biggest fan of Dark Knight comparatively to most people. Like, I think it's good, but I don't think it's, like, a masterpiece like most people do. I think think it was really groundbreaking for, like, superhero movies. Um, But, like, aside from that, like, I, I don't think it's, like, a major, like staple in cinema where it's like, God, yes, you have to see this. Like some people project it up to be. But yeah. I, I, I definitely think it's like pretty good. And I think it's probably the best out of the three for sure. Dark Knight Rises is kind of like meh. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to rewatch the trilogy soon. I haven't seen Begins in like five years probably. So, mm. uh, Yeah, same with me. I saw that in college. It was an outside showing in the middle of winter and uh, I wasn't, I was wearing a t-shirt and shorts and I nearly froze to death so sounds fun yeah no it was great we can do that again there we go yeah let's freeze Joe to death for a funny video it was really fun being in the shower for like 25 minutes just on the floor like just shivering underneath a hot shower I do that every day yeah (laughs) for the for the meme I'm just like ah okay Thank you, everybody, for the questions, for the Oscar nominations. Don't forget, next time, fucking soon enough, DDoSer 4, which is the prequel that DDoSer will be out. It's going to be called DD0Sir. It'll be like DDoSer, but with a zero instead of the O. Awesome. Um, I'm excited for that's this. That's going to be the origin story. I've cast Joe in it without telling him. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> he's going to be a murderer. Sweet. It's going to be great. Um or we're gonna film it soon, maybe tonight, if I have all the ideas ready. It's gonna be out. Let's get the Oscar nomination next year for best short film. There we go. Could you imagine if they're like, yes, put the deed officer in? <laughs> I show up in deed officer clothes. I mean, it's a smart move to make it like a prequel. It's a, like so they don't have to watch the first three. Yeah, exactly. And it's and I feel like I can't make a deed officer four until. We get a new president. That's mm. fair. Because we, we already had a we already had a big arc where the last villain was God. Yeah. So now we need to start another arc where it does the same thing. Where president maybe or I don't know maybe hey. like I go after uh, Joel Elstein, I believe his name is the mega church pastor. Yeah. The- Let's go after him. That's a good idea. Maybe I'll make DDoS. <gasps> Just like Spiral and Ringo, I'll do a joint release of the prequel and the fourth. There you go. So, like, two bookends kind of thing. There you go. Why aren't you the best director in Hollywood right now? 
That's because I'm not in Hollywood. Yeah. That's the only reason. True. It's good. He's over here. <laughs> Fuck. Yes, I gotta start writing DDoS. Cancel the podcast. I gotta go start writing DDoS. <laughs> no. Um, Joe, I'm gonna take a shit. Don't okay. wanna stop the podcast though. You're in charge of starting A Man Escaped. Alrighty. Okay. Ugh. All right, you go get that. His name's Robert Brisson. He's a French director. Robert Brisson, he's a French director. Uh, The movie... 1956. 1956 is when the movie was made. Uh, It's uh, shot in a pretty similar time period. Our story follows a man. That's it. It follows a man. That's the Um, movie. uh, It's uh, about a French... uh, resistance fighter um he got captured and is thrown in prison um and it's a lot of his story of him just trying to break out of it um we see a lot of his day-to-day um he starts off kind of being in a cell like right above the ground floor like first floor Mm -hmm. um and there was a guy who was like helping him out like either he was a resistance leader or just a very lenient uh powerful person yeah um and he's just, you know, giving him information. He's taking letters to his family and friends. He's giving him uh, various supplies. Uh, he gave him a safety pin, which is the most important, so he was able to break out of his handcuffs yeah. whenever he wanted to. A uh, razor blade, a uh, paper, a pencil. Yeah. Um, I think a little bit of rope, too. Yeah, he, give, he like, tosses him up that rope and then gives him the thing to, like, make that little, like, yeah. uh, net that he would, like, send down. Which was uh, very scary. Yeah, the entire time. He's just kind of winching, winching up and down this, like, bundle of stuff. And I'm like, he's going to get caught and executed. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, um, they move him into a higher cell. Um, yeah. Can't quite remember the reason. I think they were just shifting people around. Yeah. The, the prison was getting, like, more full. Yeah. So they started, like, grooming people together, and he probably just got shifted up there. And I, I had gotten the impression when I was watching it, I I think I later got kind of swayed away from that impression, is why they moved him up there was because he was going to, like, death row, and this was, like, his, like, probably final waiting area. Probably, yeah. Um, but he moves up there, and then he starts concocting this plan to escape. Um... And it's a lot of his kind of day-to-day as he's going about doing it. First, he starts off, you know... He has a spoon that he, has he a takes spoon. from, like, his usual meal. He just keeps it, and then he, like, chisels it down on, like, the concrete floor, and then starts, like, chiseling the wood of his yep. door down. Oh, uh, important thing to know, as soon as he got to his cell, he immediately tapped all the sides around him to see if he had any neighbors. Yep, no can tell. Because uh, important thing to know, it's not the usual, like, jail bars that you can kind of see everything. Concrete through. walls. It's it's concrete walls and a wooden door, um, which makes sense given the period. I think it's really funny knowing what we know now. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter because I imagine pretty much everyone in this prison is innocent and, you know, because they're under fascist rule. So, yeah. you know. Um, uh, and he gets no response, but he knows there's someone that lives right next to him. He's an old dude. I think he was a... He wasn't a pastor, right? Right? Uh, I don't recall. I don't think he was a pastor. Um, but anyway, he's like, okay, this old man that's just not talking, whatever. But uh, he starts concocting this plan to leave. He gets a spoon from his meal, as Thomas said, and he starts yeah. kind of chiseling away at the door very quietly. I think it took him like a month to get through the to the door. Because yeah. it was a bunch of different slats, and it would, had crossbars on, on bottom and top, so he was able to kind of chisel away at the sides, and then pry it out, and then slide the bars 
out one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's slowly doing this, and he's, like, kind of trying... He's he's very talkative about this whole process. Well, it's a, it's a, a lot, it was a lot of his... Um, Thoughts about the entire process. There's a lot of him himself narrating it. Yeah. Um, and he he makes like a couple friends. He uh, down because they like have to go down every day, and they like they like wash their stuff and like kind of like do some like kind of like labor. Yeah, labor. I didn't really take it as labor. They were kind of just prisoners. They didn't really do anything with them. I think it, it seemed like busy work more than anything. Something because like, they were down at those like sinks a lot. I thought that was just them washing up. It might have been. Uh, it might have just been them washing up because like their clothes were hanging and they were just kind of always there washing their face. So mm. yeah, uh, our guy, uh, his name I believe was Michel. Yes. No, no, Fontaine. I'm thinking. Oh, of the Michel other... is pickpocket. Yeah. Michel is pickpocket. Um, you know, and he has this agreement with the guy right across right across from his cell that he's going to keep a lookout as he's chiseling away. And the entire time he's trying to prep for this breakout, um, everyone's kind of giving him a lot of shit. A uh, few people wanted to go with him. Um, one of the guys that wanted to go with him got, got uh, super impatient. He got super impatient, tried to make a run for it, and then was executed. Yep. Um, and everyone, after, pretty much ev- after that, everyone was really just naysaying him hard. Like, yeah, you're not going to do like, this. You got to do this soon. You're taking too long. taking way too long. Um, and that just kind of fuels him for- further. One of the main things, uh, when he got through the door, you know, he, he got out, kind of wandered around. There was very lax security at night when he did that. Yeah. Um, he really didn't have a plan apart from, I need to get out of this door. And yeah. he kind of just piecemealed it together here and there and then it becomes a lot of your 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 typical uh, breakout story planning and stuff yeah he scopes the place out uh the dude who tried to escape earlier he figured out like he's like oh i'm gonna need like to get over that wall somehow yeah it was like his big hurdle he couldn't get out over these uh there's like a point where he'd have to like cross over a roof somewhere he wasn't able to do that so he's like, all right, I'm going to need to, like, make some, like, sort of hook grapple kind of thing. Yep. So he starts, like, tearing apart his beds, like, because he takes, like, the bed frame and uses the wire from that. And uh, he gets uh, some bars from... It, it's like a lantern cover thing. Yeah. There's, like, a glass paint surrounded by four metal bars, and he breaks that and uses the metal to make the hooks. Mm-hmm. Um, his... Family, friends, someone important to him gives him a package of a bunch of clothes. Yeah. And he immediately tears them up to make more rope, which yep. I'm like, that sucks, but also you got to do what you got to do. I Personally, I probably would have put the new clothes on and you, because the whole time he's there, because when he arrives there, they like beat the crap out of him because he tries to escape at the very beginning of the movie. Uh, and cops catch him. Yeah, we forgot to mention that. There's like a whole sequence where he's like riding in a car and like he tries to make an escape real quick and some cops grab him and they like hit him in the head yep. with a gun a couple times. Uh, so the whole time he's there, he's wearing like the same outfit, just these like bloodied clothes that he's been wearing. So I probably would have like switched wardrobe, but I probably, but also I like the idea. Well, I mean, but they'd probably be sturdier because they're newer. So. Probably. Yeah. And he starts kind of fashioning a lot of these tools and things he would need. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a point where they have to like get rid of their pencils too and yep. he decides to keep it um, that becomes a pretty important uh, little detail in here in a little yep. while oh and uh, during the entire time he finally got his neighbor to start talking to him 
Uh, yeah, he find him out, through, like, the window. Yeah, find out he's kind of a religious man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's actually the mo- one of the more supportive people. He's like, look, you gotta do this. You gotta do this soon. But he's not, like, nagging him about he, it. What, the old man? Yeah. Well, at first, he's like, don't do it. You're yeah. gonna get us all caught. But and then once, once he's so do- like into it, he's like, you know what? You've given me hope. You gotta do this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then pretty much once he's done, he's figuring out when he's gonna make his great escape, and then he's throwing a fucking curveball. Yeah, he gets a roommate who is this really young soldier who is, um... Is he German? I think it was... He was French. I think it was half. Half German, half French. Um, but basically, like, he got thrown in for treason. Um, they were like, oh, no, you broke our rules, so you get to go in here. Um... Yeah. And there's, like, this huge, like, uh, part where he's like, I don't know if I can trust this guy. Yeah. This guy might be, like, my foil. Yeah. And he, he's, he's even, like, planning, like, he's like, if I have to, I will take this hook and I will kill this kid. Because he might just be a hindrance in his escape. And if or, he gets caught trying to escape, he's going to die. Or my theory during that time was he was a spy for the guards. Yeah, because it, it almost seems like it, because he goes and he's, like, chatting up with the guards when they're, like, down there. Yeah, he did them. join the German army. Yeah, okay. And he was 16 in the movie. Like, yeah. yeah. I didn't and, really, I thought he was, like, 19. But no, like, 16. Fuck, he's a little baby. Yeah. But, um, basically it gets to the night where he's like, I have to escape. So he tests him with the pencil. He, like, yep. shows him the pencil. He's like, look. Here's the pencil. The, you know, we're not supposed to have this. He, like, lets it be known. And basically, like, they go out one more time to wash up. And it's kind of like a thing to see if he'd snitched on him. Yep. Which he didn't. So he's like, all right. Look, I'm going to tell you, if you had the chance to escape, would you? And the kid's like, yeah, maybe. Of I course. Don't know. He, he, at first, he's, he's like, he's yeah, very, He's very washy on it. But as soon as, like, he but starts like, real, real okay, He pretty much is like, I'll kill you if you don't come. So he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm in then. So they... Start the final measures. They like build the last of the rope that they would need. Mm-hmm. They wait until night. Um, they tap goodbye to uh, his neighbor. Yep. Um, and they take off. And uh, yeah, basically, there's a big escape scene. Like, yeah, there's yeah. a big escape scene. They go through like various places. There's points where they have to like wait for twenty minutes, and yeah. the night's passing pretty quickly. So, and they know that like they need to escape into the night, or else. They probably won't yeah. escape yep. very far. Uh, there's one of the early conflicts during the escape where there's a guard patrol, and... And he fucking just kills him on yeah, screen. He, he, yeah. he like, yeah. runs at him, like, like he's like, I can't use it. He has, like, a weapon, but he's like, it's not sure, so he throws it, and he just, like, runs at the dude, mm-hmm. and then he comes back, and he, like, looks all shook. Yep. yep. And then they, they continue the escape, and then pretty standard stuff until kind of the final obstacle where they have to cross this massive gap between the building and the wall. Yeah. Um, and they, I think they wait there for like two hours, something like that, because there's this guard on a bike. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of just them kind of building up their nerves, figuring out when is a good time to cross. They eventually throw the hook to make a, uh, cro- a tightrope across, really. Yeah. Uh, and then they just kind of wait after that. See yeah, if anyone notices or does anything. Because initially he kind of like goes and he reaches and he, he he admits, he's like, oh man, I fucking like stalled because that rope didn't look very sturdy. Because like, yep. he just like puts his arm down and the rope like bends down and he's like, oh, 
But after a couple hours, he's like, we're losing precious time. So he's like, we just need to do this. So he just like crawls across real quick. Yeah. The kid follows. He, you know, they like just basically escape from that point. Like they crawl down the other side of the wall and uh, run away into the night. And then Finn appears on the screen. And that, that was the movie. Yep. I really liked it. Yeah, I thought it was very engaging, very uh, focused. Like, from the point in which the movie starts, you see this guy, you know, right as he's caught, he's trying to escape, and then he gets in there, and you just basically follow him as he... Do you guys talk about Orsini at all? Um, we didn't talk about any of the other characters in D. That was just the other guy that tried to escape. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah we, we talked about him. I mentioned him. Um, um, I really liked how the movie was able to... I know a lot of films don't like to do this where they just like hold your attention the entire way through and slowly raise it up. But this movie had me tense pretty much the whole way through. Yeah. A- any, any scene involving any of the, the, the prep or like kind of the normal day to day of like him talking with everyone and kind of scheming, telling everyone what he's doing to the eventual breakout. I, really, yeah, the really breakout tense. scenes. I was just like, <gasps> yeah. Really had me on the edge of my seat. And even just, like, the scraping of the doors he does. Oh, yeah. The sound mixing in this movie's really good for, like... It is. There's, like... Like, the scraping noises and, like... There's, like... Even the the bicycle guard. The, like, small creak that the bike does. And, like, you can hear it, like, go in the distance. It's really good. There was a part... it's not, it's like right before the bicycle part when he's like waiting on the like ledge of the roof and he's looking down at like the guard who's like walking wall to wall. The sound and design of that scene was really good because you can just like hear like the fading as he like walks oh. the distance and while he's waiting around the corner you can hear as he like gets yep. closer. I even was just, there. even uh, just like them walking on the roofs because it's all like gravel and they mm-hmm. don't have shoes, so there's just a tiny little crunch with each yep. step. It's like for 50s, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. It was really good. Um, it's important to note that Robert Brisson was cat like he was a World War II French Resistance fighter. Oh, okay. he was captured. Okay, he, I didn't know this that. this is like I, I feel like this is pretty much just what he wishes had happened. Like, so it's it has an extra layer of sad, but mm. also it's just like a pretty fucking entertaining movie. Yeah, like, every is. scene is like filled with just like tension, but pretty much all the actors are pretty good in it. Yeah, uh, in my opinion, and most of them are. Most, just like um, the neorealist movement in Italy, most of Robert Brisson's films, they're with actors that, like, aren't actors. Yeah. Um, which I thought, especially the main character and the guy who played Jost, uh, so Fontaine and Jost, Jost was the kid, mm-hmm. I thought both of them did great. What what year was this movie? 56. So this is, like, right around, like, uh, short, shortly, like, kind of leading into the French New Wave. I believe so. Because, like, French New Wave, I think, like, is, like, Circa 1959, 1960, like right before the 60s. Like 1959, I think, is when Breathless came out. Like 60 was like 400 blows. I might have those like swapped around. But I know that those are two of like the key starter points for that um, like movement. But I I really like how just like small and concise the plot is. Yeah. Like it's just even the title is just a man escaped. Or yeah. there's there's the other title I think it has is uh, Or the Yeah. The Wind Bloweth where it listens listen. Yeah. Um But yeah, I just I love plots that can just be so like self contained and small. Um, like the mustache. Uh, yeah. But 
very focused. But I thought all the characters were pretty interesting. I like Orsini because he's like, he's like, I gotta do it. And he's like, wait, no, I have an idea. And he's like, no, nah, it's too complicated. I'm just gonna fucking go. And then he just immediately gets caught pretty much. Yeah. They're like, please, I hope he makes it. And there's just a bunch of really great tense moments where you have no idea what just happened. Like, like when he goes to like kill the guard mm-hmm. and you just like don't see anything. And then he just comes back like, he's just like, has like a pale face. Yeah. Also, Fontaine's like, fuck, I'm pretty, he's a badass. Like the main yep. character's a fucking badass. Yeah. Like, I'm going to scrape it with a spoon. He's like, I need another spoon. Mm-hmm. There's just so much attention to detail in each scene. I, th- I thought, I, I, I loved this movie. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, yeah no, I thought I, it was pretty good. I really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then looking through my notes, I didn't really take a lot of notes on this movie. The, the only one I took a lot of notes on was a Mulholland Drive, but I took Same. them on my laptop, which I left at home. So. Same. But I, I've got a lot of that in here, so I'm pretty familiar with that movie. Um, and then this is actually based on a memoir by Andre Davini, who... Escaped a prison in 1943. Okay. So it's like, it's a pretty, pretty true story. I think it says that. Yeah, it starts at the very beginning. It's like, this is like the truest, true story movie you're ever going to see. Um, yeah. And he, he said in an, the director said in an interview, he wanted to achieve a great purity. Um, so he, that's why he used non-professional actors, which I, that's why I, I, I think we talked about it when we talked about Bicycle Thieves. I enjoy non-professional actors. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he fortunately just got a bunch of really good non-professional actors. Yeah, he, he, he didn't settle for like, ah, eh, this one's not too great. He probably did a very yeah. intense casting. Probably. Um, yeah. Um, I also just kind of like, Prison breakout stories. Yeah. I, Prison I, breaks I, are fun to watch. Right? Yeah. I, I like a lot of the inventive ways that you know people will think of to get out. I mean, it's a. It's I a, also like the brutality of the first few scenes, like how he's yeah. just beaten to like a pulp, pretty yeah. much. He's like yeah. bleeding. I'm like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. It really sets up. Uh, that maybe Nazis are bad. Um, hey, that's maybe. a weird idea, dude. I don't know. That's pretty. That's a pretty hot take here yeah. in 2020. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't have much more to say on this one, do either? Uh, yeah, no. This and yeah. Pocket, I, I both enjoyed both of them. But, but they're I both don't, pretty simple. Yeah. Yep. Which I recommend this movie to everyone. Yep. Yeah. No, totally. Especially because it's only like an hour and 40 minutes and... It's it's really concise. It's just so it's a very greatly packed together. Yeah, it's beautiful. Very yeah. very tight movie. I like had originally given this a ten on my watch, and then I oh. watched Mulholland Drive, and I'm like, okay, maybe it's not a ten. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm like, fuck Mulholland Drive ruined um, me for films. I gave this movie an eight. I gave this movie a nine. I gave it a seven. All right, pickpocket. Pickpocket, 1959, I believe. So just a couple years later, uh, he did a movie called Pickpocket. And get this, um, it's a movie about a man who becomes a pickpocket. Whoa, really? Robert Brisson was very good at uh, pickpocketing, at, at <laughs> writing uh, titles for movies. Ah, uh, that's very original. The very simple plot they will have. 
Oh. Uh, same thing. A lot of the actors in it are like non-professional. Uh, it's about a guy named Michel. Uh, he goes to a horse race. He steals some money from a spectator. And then he's like, ah, and he's all confident right at the beginning. And then he immediately gets arrested. Yeah. But because they don't have evidence, all they know is like he has money on him. Yeah. Like so they can't prove it. Yeah. So they let him go. Um, but because of this, he got like that invigoration. He like falls in with a group of small pickpocket, like a small group of pickpockets. Yeah. Like one of them starts to teach him his ways because mm. he's like trying to steal some stuff on like the train and he's like kind of doing it. He's using like a newspaper and like reaching in. And then this guy comes up to him and he's like, just do this. He like flicks a button and it opens. Like yeah. I love this montage of him like teaching him the ways. He like flicks the button, it opens. And and then he like reaches in, he picks up the wallet, and he drops it underneath the person's coat. Yeah. So he teaches them a bunch of ways. Um, and then they start doing like pretty highly coordinated pickpocket stuff, like with like three people where they're like, fiu, 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 fiu. Yeah. they're just passing it back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's. I really love all the pickpocketing scenes in this movie. A lot yeah. of the pickpocketing Woo! scenes were. Probably some the of my potatoes. Yeah, meat and the potatoes, and they were they were good. They were some of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of about it. It follows, you know. Yeah, he he goes and he meets a woman. Uh, he goes to visit his mother, but he like can't go in. He doesn't feel comfortable. But he meets this woman that's like kind of taking care of his mother. Yeah, like checking in on her. Her name's Jeanne. Um, and then she's like, "Visit your mother more, you fucking asshole." And he's like, "No." I can't. I'm too busy stealing from the rich. Um, and then, like, his friend goes on a date with her, and they go together. Michelle goes. Um, but then Michelle just steals a watch and then leaves. Yeah. Yep. Uh, um, and then they are, they're at a bar at one point. Michelle sees the inspector again. The inspector's like, Hey, show me this book you're reading. It's a book on pickpocketing. He's like, hey, just like read it, bro. Yeah. And there's like that whole scene earlier where he's explaining like, oh, what if there's like a super pickpocket who could be used for good and like is just like way smarter than everyone and deserves yeah. to like just yeah. steal. He's like, supermen deserve to do uh, super things like yeah. steal from people. And then so, there's a lot of like almost Robin Hood-esque uh rhetoric he, he has. He's like, look, I mean, is it really a bad thing if this guy is stealing bread so he can eat yeah. and not starve to like, death? They talk about, like, is, is crime really inexcusable if it's in the wake of poverty? Like, if you're poor, you know, which, you know, is an important thing to talk about. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, also. But then he, he goes to the inspector's place. Well, he goes to the police station because he's like, bring this book by. And it's obviously that they're just searching the place while he's there. He's yeah. like, he like leaves and he's like, ah, oh, fuck. But they don't find his money. It's like behind a board that he like, did like rips out. Yeah, it's like behind his bed, behind a board. So. What were you going to say, sir? Oh, so, his, his mom dies in the movie. His mom dies, yes. Yep. And then he kind of goes more into it. He's like, if I. Yeah, and then there's, like, that scene where he steals from his friend and they both kind of realize what happened. Yeah. Um, and then the inspector uh, visits Michelle at the apartment and tells him that um, at one point the mother had gotten, like, money stolen. She thought it was a neighbor, but then she realized that it was her son and she, like, dropped the charges. 
Yeah, and he's like, well, I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to investigate, but then I saw the son. It was this, it was him, and he, he had stolen money at the racetrack. And he's like, but I let him go. I didn't have enough evidence. And he, he's pretty much saying, like, you know, I've known it's you, and I've been trying to, like, get you Catch to stop, you, and, you know, all but, that yeah. stuff. And he's like, I haven't been doing my job because I thought maybe you could change, but, um, he doesn't arrest him because he still doesn't have the right proof, but he's like, soon enough, I'll arrest you. So then Michelle's like, well, see ya. So he fucking just leaves the country. For yeah. Like two years. Uh, two years. He goes around. to Milan. He goes to Rome. He goes to England, uh, where he spends two years in London pulling off good jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he, he, he has a bunch of other vices as well. He starts just spending all his money on women and like gambling, um, gambling. And drinking and all that good stuff. So then he returns to France and he goes back to Jeanne. Because he had like been like, I love it. They'd pretty much like been in love. And he's like, I'm going to leave without telling you. Yeah. Um, and she has a child that, that Jock gave, like Jock impregnated her and then just kind of left. <laughs> um, because she didn't want to marry him. So yeah. he's like, we'll see him. So then Michelle's like, no, I'll support you. And he starts doing good jobs and stuff. But then he gives back, gives into temptation again. And he goes back to that same horse track. And like, as he's, Kept getting this big wad of cash. Like a bunch of police are just like, ha ha, we got you. Yep. And then, uh, he goes to jail and there's, she comes and visits him and she's basically like, my baby's like pretty much dead now and I love you. Let's be together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they realize that they're like in love. And yeah. The movie ends with him like, <laughs> yeah, they're like fucking holding the whole, they're fucking through the bars pretty yeah, much. Pretty much. Yeah. As close as they can get to it. Um, yeah, I thought this one was pretty fun. I, I'm a fan of this one as well. I was not a fan of this one. I really like a lot of the stylization of something. I thought there were some fucking amazing shots in it. Um, the, the editing is fantastic, in my opinion. Yeah. This one's a real mixed bag for me. I really like all the pickpocket stuff. I thought all that was really fun to watch, and I liked the concept of the movie. But I wasn't a fan of the characterization. I felt like it just kind of hit the surface level with, like, everything it was trying to do. I felt like it could have dived a little deeper, especially given that the film has an extremely short runtime of an hour and 16 minutes. Yep. Um, like... And I liked a lot of... I liked how a lot of the pickpocketing montages looked. Mm-hmm. But... And any of the picks. But, man, they felt so... Unrealistic, not maybe unrealistic is the wrong Some of them term. did. Some of them like felt- just a lot of them. They're like kind of fumbling with a guy for like two seconds, and I'm like, how do you not notice that? Like, I get people don't pay attention to a lot of things, uh, to a lot of things, but man, a lot of these just felt like, how are people not noticing this? Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't like a, a lot of the characters. There's like lots of scenes where he'll like help someone up and he'll like grab their wrist and take their watch. Yeah. How do they not like? Because if someone grabs my wrist and I had a watch there, the first thing I'm going to do the second I, like, step one step away from them is I'm going to look and be like, oh, my watch is gone. And that dude just grabbed my wrist. Yeah. Um, A lot of, like, little things. I didn't like a lot of the characters. A lot of the interactions felt very weird. The entire movie, I kept looking at Michelle. I'm like, I don't know if this guy's really, which I now know he's an unprofessional actor. Yeah, um, which I personally I love the character of Michelle. I thought he was. I, I thought the performance was fine. I couldn't figure out if I liked the performance or if I didn't. It felt very very flat to me. Although I liked a lot, like I kept looking at his eyes. Like his eyes are telling a good story, but the rest of his face is just like deadpan. 
And I'm just like, eh. I couldn't get into this movie. I I personally love the way that the narrative was paced as if it was pretty much like diary entries. Like a lot of the the big things, like they would just jump forward. It felt like it, he was more expressing his feelings on the matter instead of like what actually happened. Um, mm. I think that there's a lot of influence. Paul Schrader has said that there's a huge influence on him for writing Taxi Driver for this. Mm. Like he thinks that and Paul Schrader has said that this movie's like a masterpiece. I know uh, um, Richard Linklater really likes this movie too. I was watching. Uh, he's got a couple. I of believe them, like, Alex festival. Winter also really loves this movie. Oh, nice. Um, uh, yeah, I was watching a little bit of a thing like. Uh, Link later will do like these openings for screenings of films where he gives like a 45 minute talk on the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has one for this that I watched a little bit of last night. Um, but, uh, I didn't watch the full thing. He was mostly just talking about like his experience with the film. But, uh, yeah. Um, I thought, I thought it was pretty alright. Um, like I, like I said, I enjoyed the concept. I enjoyed a lot of the sequences. Um, but yeah, I felt like they could have done a little more with it, in my opinion, personally. Personally, I thought it was I thought it was great. I, I was a big fan. I, I watched a bit more of it. I watched I rewatched some of the scenes last night. I was oh, I was I, I love the pickpocketing scenes. Like, yeah. I love some of the interactions between him and uh, like his friend. I love the interactions between him and the inspector. I don't know. I guess I guess it just spoke to me more. But I I, I pretty much enjoyed all aspects of the movie. Mm. So what'd you give it, Joe? Four out of ten. Six. And I'm giving it an eight. Ah. So a six together. Yep. Sweet. All right. All right. Time to talk about the did, big boy. All right. I have to ask, just out of curiosity. So I, I did watched, Pierre watch this? No, he no, did He not. watched the first eight minutes of it. And, and then, then he's he like, off. yeah. And he's like, I don't, I'm too scared to watch another Lynch film. <laughs> so he went and watched Victorious instead. Ah. Because a bunch of our friends were watching Victorious. So, mm. so I'm going to go do that. Um, no, I watched this um, with Joe. I watched this with my girlfriend. And mm. then last night I watched it with my friend Melody. I watched it three times the last, like, two Four, days. Yeah. Okay. I have only seen it once because during the other viewings, I was either tired or working. Mm. My last viewing, I was falling asleep in the last, like, 15 minutes. Because I was tired as fuck. It was like five in the morning. I'm like, I gotta watch Mulholland Drive again. If I was awake more, I was going to watch it a fourth time. Mm. Um, this is my, uh, this might be the best movie I've ever seen. You liked it that much. I'm, I'm glad you uh, enjoyed it. Maybe not the best. This might, it's in my top four. Yeah, because wow. this, this, in terms of David Lynch's body of work, his like, Four really big things is Eraserhead, Blue Velvet, Twin Peaks, and then this. And a lot of people, like, this is the one where everyone's like, David Lynch did it. He created, like, the perfect movie. Well, Mulholland Drive is uh, my friend Melody's favorite film, so mm. I watched it with her, so. Um, God, do you want to do the normal plots and all Yeah, um, yeah. B- b- beforehand, uh, I know that we go over every film... And we don't really say, like, you, you can just listen to the podcast. There's one time I'm saying, if you haven't seen Mulholland Drive, please stop, uh, please this. stop this podcast. Go watch it. Uh, it'll change your fucking life, probably. It might not be for you, but if it is, it'll it's, it's blow worth your checking. mind. It is um, very much worth checking out. If you haven't seen a Lynch film, just go watch is, it. It's a good, it's a good then, jumping on. It's a very good jumping on. Come back. If, 
And if you don't want to, that's fine. But I just want to warn you, it's worth it. It's worth it going in blind. Uh, as blind as Paul. I don't even know what but, uh, this movie was going right. to be about. We're talking time. about spoilers now. Okay. All right, we are so the, the spoiler begins zone. with the wonderful little fever dream dance sequence where you get some, like, this purple backdrop. You get lots of people, like, swing dancing. And then you see our main character, Betty, who is Betty. played by Naomi Watts. And she's, like, you know, got that... Nice David Lynch bright light on her face, you know, super overexposed. She's smiling. She's, she's got. With, she's with her two traveling friends, who we'll see here Irene in a little bit. Irene and her traveling companion. Yes. Um, and then we cut to like, bit, yeah, it's basically them smiling. It fades over like them dancing, and then we cut to Mulholland Drive, and there's this limousine driving, and we see our other main character, who I'm just gonna call Rita for now. Um, she's driving up and the limo stops and she's like, Hey, what the heck? This isn't, this isn't where we stop. And they turn around and they have a gun and they're like, get out of the car. But coincidentally coming around the corner of this are two like cars that are just speeding. With like teens and yeah, just they're like dragging and like, yeah, they're just drunk. having their extremely drunk probably. This scene makes me laugh because I always <laughs> forget about it and then I, they come around the corner and I'm just like, oh, it was yeah. really, really unexpected when it happened. <laughs> I'm just like, oh no, there's this crazy tense moment. And then there's these fucking kids just screaming down the hall and drive. Yeah, and they just immediately crash into the car and Rita is the only survivor. So she stumbles down the hill and we see her, she's kind of like wandering through like different like uh, Hollywood uh, like the neighborhoods. Only, the only street it shows is Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Um, and then she like finds this place. She kind of just crawls up into the bushes and falls asleep. And then while this is going on, we cut over to Winkies, right? Winkies. This is the Winkies. The greatest sequence. scene ever made. Yeah, this scene, I remember... Have you like, seen the film analysis uh, video on just this scene? No, I haven't. Well, I'll have to but, show you um, it afterwards. Yeah, so basically, there are these two guys that are eating at this Winkies, and Winkies is clearly like Denny's. Yeah. It's, no, e- it's Winkies. It's it standard American diner. Yeah. Um, and they're like sitting down, and it's these two guys, and this dude's like... Do you want to know why I chose to meet you here at Winkies? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. He's like, well, I had this dream. And the guy's like, oh, dream, huh? We were oh. here, here, sitting directly right here. Except it was pretty much the same, except it was half night. So it, it wasn't quite day and it wasn't quite night. It was somewhere in the middle. And you were standing right over there by that counter. And I was looking at you and I just, the only thing I knew was that I was afraid. And when I saw and I made eye contact with you, you were also afraid, which even made me more afraid. So you paid and we left and we went around back and there was this creepy man back there. And I realized he was the one doing all this. He was the one who was making me feel this way. And he's like, so you came here because you wanted to see if the man's back there. So he goes up and he pays and then they like stare at each each other. other. And the dream happens. They go around back and we see um, he's like, what's back here and he turns a corner and instantly this creepy man yeah. creepy woman, woman man this thing this, comes yeah. around the corner they, they describe them as a man they're like there's this guy back there they see it yeah he's, he's behind everything exactly you know um and then he like just ah! and like falls and into the guy's arms faints. And, yeah and then 
Um, we see Betty arriving. She gets off the plane. She's got um, her two, Irene and the old guy who yeah. they don't name. They don't say his name. Um, and she's like, wow, it's been so nice traveling with you. And she's like, likewise, good, good luck getting jobs in Hollywood as a famous actress. And she's like, I will. And this scene's very uh, bizarre. Yeah. Do you yeah. know why? Um, well, they, they're obviously very happy old couple. They get into the cab and they're just like, (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know. Uh, did you notice anything off with their voices? Obviously there's, there's some pretty weird distortion on the guy's voice, but there's more than that. Um, my friend Melody told me this and then I paid attention the second two times that was watching, um, the the scene was recorded normally and then it was dubbed over. Oh, okay. Oh. I, did, I didn't know. So, like, yeah, if you look at their, like, the, their words do not look like they're coming out of their mouths correctly. Huh. No, I hadn't noticed that. I, I noticed a couple, because I, I, when I was And watching, especially when the guy starts talking, he has, like, a weird, like, radio-sounding voice come out. He's like, ooh. <laughs> it's like, Timmy. Yeah, when I was watching it this time, I was, I was kind of looking for, like, little details that I haven't seen before. Because I've seen it quite a few times and I'm familiar with, like what everything should kind of represent in the story and, like, that kind of sense. So I was paying less attention to the story and more to, like, the filmmaking behind it. But I didn't notice that, no. Um, So, yeah, they get into this car, and then we see... um, We flash back to Rita, who wakes up. It's morning now, and uh, we see that there's this woman. She's going on some sort of a trip, and so she sneaks into her house while she's putting stuff in the, like, cab, and she just decides... Oh, I'm going to sleep on her kitchen floor after she leaves. Yep. Um, then, uh, yeah, we see uh, some cops investigating the crash up mm-hmm. on uh, Mulholland Drive. And rest in peace, my boy, Robert Forrester. Um, he, oh, that was Robert Forrester. Yeah. Um, there's a deleted scene with these two guys. Um, Do they have sex? No. I see why it got deleted. It's not a very good scene. Um, but um, I kind of wish that there was a little bit more Robert Forrester in the movie. I remember the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, shit, Robert Forrester. Because I was watching uh, The Twin Peaks, The Return at oh, the time. He's in a lot of movies. Yeah, he, he's in, like, Jackie Brown. He's in, uh, the like, Twin Peaks, The Return. He, he's in a lot of stuff. But uh, He's in Lucky Number Slevin. Ah. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that either. But, uh... So, yeah, they find, like, a pearl uh, earring, and they, they notice that it's in the, like... Were any of these teens wearing pearl earrings? And they're like, no. No. Then I guess somebody's missing. Yeah. So, and that, that's basically it. He kind of, like, looks into the city of L.A., and he's like, oh, man. <laughs> but, so, we cut back. Uh, Betty yeah. arrives. She meets Coco who is, like, the apartment manager. Yeah, the landlord, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, manager. the person who was leaving earlier was Betty's aunt. Aunt um, Ruth. Yes. Aunt Ruth. And, yeah, so she decides to uh, let her in, and she's kind of just exploring the house. And uh, the, the entire conversation between Betty and Coco has some weirdly stilted, strained 
inflection to it. That, that's just kind of David Lynch's dialogue writing. Well, it was but only it, it, it is, was only it is I really only noticed it with those. Like it was definitely prevalent in mm-hmm. a lot of the scenes. With I think Benny. it's much more prevalent in the. It, it, first, yeah, up yeah, until the last half. of the two parts of the film, you know, the definitely, first definitely part. the second it, part. Yeah, um, is why. I, I think that's. I'm I mean, excited to hear what your theory is on the film. Oh yeah, um, I, I don't know if it'll be anything groundbreaking, but um, yeah, but you'll you'll definitely hear my my two okay. cents on the. Film. I'm gonna go piss. Oh, okay. and more importantly, uh, Coco mentioned this is a very important moment. Uh, talks about a prized fighting kangaroo yeah, punching up the place. Yeah, all over the place and yeah. leave it a mess. Yeah, that's the most important part. It of is the, the most that's important. the key to the puzzle. We figured it out. It's the kangaroo. The kangaroo represents David Lynch punching the Hollywood executives over his treatment on Dune. Not yeah. Really. Okay. No, I just um, I, I I just made a made a note of prize fighting kangaroo. Not that I would forget that bit of dialogue, but uh, funny. Yeah. Um. So she gets let into her aunt Ruth's apartment, and she's like looking around, uh, and she goes into the bedroom where she sees some clothes just on the floor, and then she goes into the bathroom and finds. Rita showering. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were going to be here. I thought it was just me. I'm sure my aunt Ruth told you about me. I'm Betty. Hi, I'm her niece. Uh, I'm here. Yeah. And, and she what's has- your name? And then Rita Blank. She doesn't know her name. Um, she so has I'm- amnesia from yeah. the car crash. Mm-hmm. So she gets out of the shower and she sees that because uh, her aunt Ruth used to be like a famous actor. Um, so she sees like uh, the name Rita uh, from like a character and one some sort of some sort of poster on the yeah. wall. So she takes the name Rita and she goes out. She's like, oh, I'm I'm Rita. You know, I just need to sleep. I was in a bad accident, but I need to sleep. And she's like, No, you shouldn't sleep. And she's like, I'm gonna sleep. Yeah. Um. So that happens, and then we cut to one of the stranger parts early on in the movie. The hitman. The hitman. This scene is. I love this scene. Yeah, so this, much. This scene, it's so weird because you watch it and it's so funny, but the performances convey it like, like that. The, it, it woman elevates screamed it. Oh, are yeah. like so realistic. Like I'm like, this is like realistic and terrible, but yeah. it's also fucking so hilarious. The scene is we see our two dudes hanging out in the office. They're kind of catching up. You can tell they're old friends. Yeah, and you know the conversation's pretty normal. Yeah. For the most part. And, and then, then our, uh, the our, attention gets brought to a little black book that's sitting on the dude's table. And it's immediately like, after the black book is brought up, our main dude, our hitman, which we don't know is a hitman, just shoots the guy sitting at a desk as soon as he mentions the black book. Yeah. And he's like, uh, it's the history of the world in telephone numbers. I, I figured out where that guy, I know that guy from, the hitman. He's, he's, he's in Lucifer and Supernatural. <laughs> oh. And he's very good in Supernatural. He does other stuff. Isn't he, like, uh... I might be getting them mixed up, but isn't he, like, in the bad guy in the first... Not, like, the bad guy, but he plays, like, the douchebag boyfriend in, like, the early seasons of Dexter, if I'm not mistaken? I might Uh, be mixing him up with someone else. I do not know. Um, he's in Lost as well. Huh. But, so, he, he kills him, takes the black book... But at, but after he does that, he tries to frame it like it was a suicide. So you know he wipes <laughs> he wipes off the gun. This puts it, so funny. Puts it puts it in uh, his this dude's dead hands. And as he's like kind of manipulating it to make it look like he shot himself, the gun goes off. 
and shoots the person in the next room over. And it's this large lady and she's just fucking screaming. Yeah, and he walks oh, in. He something walks in, bit me bad. Like, something bit me bad. Um, and this is the first time uh, watching this movie that I realized that he has like uh, the Alexander the Great thing going on with his eyes where one's dark and one's light. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I had never noticed that before. So interesting. I was, I was like, "Oh!" So he goes over, kind of act like he's helping her, and then he just starts it's trying charged. to choke her. Yep, yep. And she's like, "No, no!" And she just falls right on top. Starts of beating the shit out of him. He's pushing her off, yeah. and eventually he starts strangling her out into the hallway, bringing her over into the office where he killed the first dude. But, but there's like a custodian and the fucking janitor's there. <laughs> he's just standing at the end of the hallway. He's like, "Dude." Help me out, man. She's hurt real bad. You gotta call 911, man. I can't do this shit on my own. Come on, man. And he, he just goes in, and then immediately they're both shot. And then he's like, all right, one final shot. Is the vacuum cleaner he had, or the floor buffer? Whatever the fuck it is. It, vacuum cleaner. Yeah, it kind of looks... It was like the shape of a floor buffer, but yeah. it's like a vacuum cleaner. Um... And he's like, all right, one final one. And he shoots that, and it, like, starts smoking and sets off, like, this giant alarm. And he's like, ah, fuck it. So he just climbs out the window. And then we we see him back at Winkies. Um, or was that? No, that was later no, on. No, that, that's way later on. No, 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 no. Because he immediately goes after a uh, go to Winkies. That's, that's a little bit. Uh, this is one of my actual gripes with the film. I'm going to bring it up since we're here. Okay. Um, I thought the pacing around this little section it's only for a few scenes is really weird because there's like what what when we follow Betty and Rita it feels like it should be like one scene mm-hmm. but it's like interspliced with two different scenes but then one of those other scenes is like split into two because you get the part where it cuts away the two with the hitmen and then it focuses on does it on, go to Adam Adam. Okay. Yes. I loved. I loved these. This the pacing of these. I don't know why. I, see, I, it, I really like the the cuts. See, it felt like it was mo- mostly the Betty and Rita stuff because it has them in the bedroom and they like find Rita's purse and they like find all the money with the key mm-hmm. and they're basically trying to figure out like everything involving her and Mulholland Drive and it like. It was just, it felt odd that, because it, it would, like, cut away from them in the bedroom looking at the money. It would cut to this different scene, and then it would cut back to them in the bedroom. Uh, and I get, I, I, I get it, given what my interpretation of the film is, but just from, like, a film perspective, it felt a little oddly paced. I, I can, I, I know exactly what you're thinking. It's just I, a mind gripe, though. And, it's not, but like I, I don't think it detracts from, I think it adds to it. Hmm. Um, so then after the hitman, we go to Adam. Yeah, so basically... Fuck. I love Justin Theroux in this movie. Yeah, um, so, yeah, he plays this director named Adam, uh, Keshner. Yeah. And What's the photo for? Yeah, his performance is fucking great in this. So basically, he's recasting the lead actress in this movie that he's making. Do you know what the movie's called? I do not because so head. I was working on these. There's there's this thing that Lynch did. That's these ten, uh, ten hints for the film, like di- deciphering the film. And one of them is like, pay attention to Adam Keshner and w- what the film he's making is called. I'm like, what the fuck is it called? What I was it called? Out. I don't know. Oh, you didn't no, catch it. I no. My last watch, I was trying to do it, but then I was so tired that I, I think I missed it. Mm. 
I'll, I'll, I'll have to yeah, look I up trying, that. I had like a bunch of papers and I was trying to like get all the information. I was going crazy last night. See, I, I'm, I'm, I'm different from your usual Lynch watcher because a lot of Lynch watchers will watch his movies and they'll like take everything to heart and like will like focus on the micro details. Um, like, uh, a lot of people do that with Twin Peaks. I'm, I more take it as like what it's supposed to emotionally resonate and kind of like. I feel that too, but just because like, I also love puzzles. Like, when yeah. I was in high school, I attempted to find out who the Zodiac Killer was. Mm, of course. Like, for, like, a ye- like over a year, I was working on stuff. Like, I told some of my friends about it, but I was mostly, like, privately. I, like, had, like, so much information. I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. I never did because I am I was in high school and I was in Hawaii. There was yeah. no way I was going to figure out who it's, the Zodiac You're just going over. But like I was trying to get, I was research. trying to, because there's that one decipher that, like, never got deciphered. That one cipher. Yeah, which and I was probably, like, I'm going to do it. Which is probably just gibberish in the first place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it didn't end up working out. I did not figure out who the Zodiac yeah, but I've always had these obsessions of David Lynch films. It's the same way. Um, yeah, uh, that's what I like about David Lynch films, though, because you can either just like take it like how I do, where I just kind of like, oh yeah, I like what this is kind of trying to hint at emotionally, or you can try to like find the nitty gritty details and see what it actually represents. And I, I've, I've watched it both ways now. Like the first, the the second time, I was mostly just feeling the emotions. Mm. Um, but yeah, so. Um, He's in the process of recasting the main actor in his film, uh, and there's this meeting that they're having with two, like, very high-up producers who basically come up, and they make, like, a big scene because they're, like, very hard to please, and they, like, have, like, one of them's, like... Like the I, the Suliani brothers or something. <laughs> yeah, and one of them's, like, espresso. And they're like, all right, we did... We've, like, searched this is, like, one of the most gourmet espressos in the world. Like, we did our research. And then he gets, like, the espresso. He's, like, napkin. And he, like, gets the napkin. And he, like, just takes one sip of the coffee and just instantly, like, spits it out. And this is all, like, really, a, really funny. Yeah, the, I like the way the scene's built up because, like, they're sitting there. And initially, he's, like, what's with the photo? And they don't really tell him. They're just, like. This is the, the, the yeah. entire time. He's like, what's the photo for? The, the entire time, like, Adam's just being overshadowed by the two big, big boy execs. Yeah, it's definitely a clash of, like, And he's just egos. like, what the fuck is going on here? And then the one more quieter producer who's just been fucking glaring at him this entire time just... Coffee! I think he still yells coffee. What does he yell? No, the one who didn't like the coffee yells coffee, while the other one's like, this is the girl. Oh. This is the girl you're going to pick for the film. And he's like, no, this is my film. And he's like, not anymore. And then he's like, fuck. So he just, just leaves, and then he goes uh, down. But he, he does see a picture of the actress. Uh, the actress's name is Camilla... Camilla Rhodes. Camilla Rhodes. Um, so he sees this, uh, he goes down and he basically like smashes their limo and drives home. Yep. And then, um, we cut back to like, uh, Betty and Rita. This is still part of that like whole editing sequence where I'm like, ah, oh, the pacing is a little, little weird here. Um, but, um, and they're basically like, do you remember anything? Like, like Mulholland Drive. I remember Mulholland Drive. There might have been a crash there. We should go inquire about that. Um, she says, we can just, we, we, we can just, just pretend to be somebody else. Yeah. Call. So then we cut back to Adam and yeah. this, this is also one of my favorite scenes, uh, where he <laughs> gets home <laughs> and finds his wife sleeping with the man, the myth, 
the legend, Danny Ray Cyrus. Danny Montana's dad. <laughs> and he's like, he doesn't say, he just walks in, he knows instantly what's going on, and he doesn't say anything. He's just, he just they, goes over. This, the, the, the build-up to the scene, I did not expect them to be having sex. I thought he was going to get murdered at this point because he had just fucked with these executives and he got home and the like music, the, there's a lot of like a lot tension. Of tension. It feels like like a horror movie. It feels like he's about to die. And then I'm like, oh, it's Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> yeah. And then he just goes over, yeah, grabs her like, jewelry box. You. And she's like, what are you doing? That's my jewelry. And he just goes out, goes out to the garage, grabs some pink paint. Takes it, like pours it in. Yeah, he pours it in, and she like catches him right as he's doing it. So he's like trying to quickly like rub it into all the jewelry, and she starts like hitting him. So he like pushes her onto the counter. And then Billy Ray's like, "Hey, I don't care what she's done. You don't hit a woman." And just decks him. Yeah, throws him out, and they're like, "Get the fuck out of here!" So he drives away, and he's covered in paint, and his hair's all fucked up. And then, um, yeah, so we cut back. Important to note, there were some articles after we first watched the movie that. uh, Billy Ray Cyrus is like, yep, if it weren't for this movie, Hannah Montana wouldn't exist. Really? In the worst of ways. Like, yeah. like David Lynch introduced the devil into my life. <laughs> <laughs> and it's <just laughs> really, really funny. Like, can I get a bit of... Did no. you guys, like, look? In, I didn't read the article. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll read it again after, though. Because uh, I'm curious to see, like, what it was. Because uh, some actors... The majority of actors who work with David Lynch seem to have a good time, but you'll always get, like, that small percentage who are, like, David Lynch is, like, the fucking worst, which is really interesting. Like, Um, Michael J. Anderson, who is in this movie, he plays, um, oh, Mr. Wait, what did you say? Uh, Michael J. Anderson, the dwarf. Oh, yeah. He, he plays... Does, uh, do they ever say his They name? do. Um, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Um, ah, but... Uh, he, anyway, so after after that scene at home... Rook. Rook, yeah. Uh, um, he, do we cut back to Betty and Rita? Yeah, they go to the Winkies and they call the police from that little payphone. Yeah. Um, and... That they're like, was there an accident? Yes. Who is this? Hang up. Yeah. Um, then they go inside and they see that um, the waitress has the name uh, Diane. Diane. Yeah. And then that clicks with Rita. She's like, that name, Diane. I was going to see Diane. So they like look up uh, Diane. I don't remember what the last Solon? name was. Solon? Yes. Um, but I, okay, I swear there was another scene involving... The hitman. He goes to. I mean, guess yeah. There's a scene where he goes to the Winkies and he's asking around for Rita, and he asks like a prostitute who yeah. bums a cigarette off of him. Yeah, and then they find the spooky man. Um, they don't find the spooky man. Thought they did. What? D- the hitman. When that scene at where he's looking for like Rita at the Winkies and he's like talking to the prostitute. They don't. They don't go and they don't find the spooky man around the wall, do they? No, they don't. They, okay. just, go I, they just go fucking the van. Right, yeah. okay. For some reason, um, I was just like, I swear the spooky man shows up. The spooky man only shows up. The bum outside of Winkies only shows up in two scenes. Okay. Yeah, that, okay. that well, one in the beginning and one towards the end. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like a the shot of the face. Like, also, this wasn't Winkies either. This oh, it wasn't? Was, yeah, I think it was called Hoffies. Yeah, it was, oh, a hot, it was a hot dog. Um, but it was right, right, meant right, to right. look just like Winkies. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so they, they, when Betty and Rita are at the Winkies, they see the name Diane and they um, come start, up with... Start tracking down this person, Diane Selwyn. Yep. 
Um, and then we they, they call they call her and they're like, "Isn't it weird calling yourself?" And they call yeah. and yep. they get the answering uh, machine and, and they like, hear it's That's not, Rita's not voice. me, but I know her. So they just look up her uh, address and they decide, "Yeah, we're gonna go uh, visit her tomorrow." Well, because I've got my Hollywood audition, we'll go after that. Mm-hmm. And while this is going on, uh, oh god, really bad ass uh, Adam. Yeah, finds himself kind of hanging out in this little slummy motel. Well, it's a place, it seems like he goes to pretty often. Yeah. Uh, Cookie's place. Yep. There's this guy named Cookie there, and Cookie basically lets him know, he's like, look, you're, some guys came from you. I really like Cookie. Um, Some guys from his bank come, and earlier, and so he was like, yeah, uh, basically, you've got no money, you're broke, and uh, whoever is... Whoever or whatever is looking for you knows exactly where you are. So he's like, ah, fuck. So he calls a secretary, and a secretary's like... Yeah, you have no money. And he's like, what do you mean I have no money? And she's like, I know you have money, but you have no money. Yeah. They put a freeze... They freezed all your accounts, and you can stay with me, but if... And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. She's like, all right, well, if you really want to fix this, um, I got to call... Do you know the cowboy? Yeah, do you know the cowboy? And he's like, what the fuck? No, I don't know any cowboy. And she's like, well, go... And I'll set up a meeting with the cowboy. He's like, what am I going to do? Go to the ranch and meet with the cowboy? Kind of. The, if you go up on top of, uh, I forget quite where, but somewhere up on top of like the Hollywood Hills somewhere, there's a, there's like a ranch where you'll meet. Um, you'll meet the cowboy. The meet the cowboy. Uh, so he's like, she's like, do you want me to set up a meeting with him? And he's like, yeah, I guess. Might as well. I have no fucking money. So... Uh, yeah, she so she sets up the meeting with the cowboy, and he goes to meet with him. And fun fact, this was like a friend of David Lynch's, and he he could not memorize lines for the life of him. What, so the, the cowboy, the cowboy. So they have cue cards like that they're like holding for him while he's reading his lines. <laughs> that, and I think that. It kind of adds. I think that makes like it's this seems scary. Very scary. Like I was, he shows up and he looks all goofy, has a big hat on, and then by the time he starts talking, I'm just like. Also, before this, we talked about Mr. Roke, but we didn't talk about his scene. There's a scene where they go and they talk to Mr. Roke, who is like kind of clearly like the king of Hollywood. Someone pulls the strings. This shadow organization, he just sits in this chair in this room. uh, There's like a scene where they basically go up and his like, one of the like producers is like, hey, yeah, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't hire the lead actress. Should we like fire him? And he's like, no, cancel the film. Shut everything down. Shut Shut everything everything down. down. So we'll do that then. So that scene was explained. And then they start the meeting with the cowboy and the cowboy talks to him a little bit. And I like this scene because he's like, Really challenging this guy's character because he's like, uh, would you agree that a man's attitude determines the uh, outcome of his life? And instantly he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. now he's do like, you yeah, really sure. think that? Did you, you think about that? Because that's what you want me. <laughs> he's like, no, I, I, I agree with you. He's like, what did I say? And he like does that thing where he kind of has to rewind for a second, but he does like pretty much verbatim. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, all right, well, look here. Uh, do you like buggy rides? Yeah, I guess. Uh, How many drivers are in a buggy? One. Well, maybe I'm driving. Maybe yeah. you want to stay along. And, and if you do, you got to cast Camilla. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you better stop being a smart Alec and yeah. cast Camilla. Yeah. So basically, uh, you, 
fucking lays down and it's like if you're good you'll see me once more but if you don't do good you'll see me two more times Um, he's like you have a good night and then just disappears into the dark yeah because he explains he's like yeah you're gonna audition a lot of girls but once you get Camilla the girl who you saw in the photo you're gonna say this is the girl Um, so we cut back to the day um, and it's Betty she's practicing the scene She's like, why are you still here? And it seems, it's like that little misdirection where you think initially, like, oh, well, she's stalking Rita, but it's her rehearsing the scene. It's corny, but she's like, all right, well, I'm going to go do this scene. I'm going to go do this performance, and then we'll uh, go check out uh, Diane's place after this. Uh, so she goes, and she auditions for the part, and her, Holy her, shit. her manager is played by, I don't know the actor's name, but the dude from Return of the Living Dead. Mm. Um, huh. Frank in that movie. Um, huh. Yeah, uh, he, he he's pretty great in this uh, for the short duration he's in. It. He's great in Return of the Living Dead. He's he's a really a uh, fun actor to watch. He always gives like kind of it's kind of hammy performances, but they're fun. Okay. Um. But yeah, basically she comes in, she does the scene, and uh, there's completely like, different energy from when she was rehearsing it. Yeah, because she kind of hears how. Because they're like, like, let's play it close. <laughs> yeah, because they're like, it's obviously like some pretty scummy. Hollywood yeah, it's like, let's well, fuck. And they also bring up the director's like, now don't rush this line this time. He's like, acting is reacting. I they say the line that way, and I play off of it. So as long as she doesn't rush it, I won't rush it. So let's play this nice and close and nice and slow. So she plays it with a completely different energy than she played when she was yeah. performing with Rita, obviously. Yeah. And she gets really into it, you know, really sexualized. They're, like, real fucking close to each other's yeah. faces. She, like, plants his hand on her ass. It's like, oh. She's like... Oh. Yeah, and gives, oh. gives a really, really good performance. I think I agree with the director's notes, because he's like, yeah, it was good. Very humanistic. A little forced, maybe. Which I think it was kind of a, maybe a little overdone. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it was really good. But it was, was really like, oh, good. Um... And, uh, yeah, so basically there was also a casting director in there who was just kind of sitting in. She didn't, she was too expensive for the project, mm-hmm. but basically she's like, yeah, we'll walk, we'll walk, uh, and she, everyone was blown away with her. Yeah. She's like, we'll walk her out to her car, but they're basically like, look, that film's never going to get made. He's a nice guy. I would know. I was married to him for 10 years, but, uh, yeah, this film's not going to get made. So come with us over to this set where you can audition for this film. And I remember, like, the first time I watched this movie, I got, like, super excited because I thought, like, Adam was going to, like, pick uh, Naomi Watts instead of um, Camila Rhodes. And uh, that's the route I thought it was going my, like, first watch through. I should have known better because I was a little familiar with David Lynch at this point. Um, fun fact about the first time I watched this movie... Uh, I watched it for the first time the night that the finale of season three of Twin Peaks premiered. Oh, so not too long ago. Like, yeah. That was only like two and a half. I, I only ago. got into David Lynch within the last like two years. Oh, okay. okay. So. Sometimes I just feel like Thomas was probably born watching Eraserhead. And no, I wish. But no. It's, it's more recent. Um, but they go to the casting. Yeah, they go to the casting. Uh, and she like... Uh, you know, makes, like, this, like, locked eye contact. And the director is, like, auditioning lots of, like, big actors for it, like he said, um, during the uh, six, producer scene. Six he's like, huge actors he's want like, this role. 
Some of Hollywood's biggest leading ladies want this role, and you want me to cast this woman? There's no What's way! The There's no ball? way! There's no way! God, I love his, like, deliveries in this movie. But, um, so, uh, he, like, tries one woman out, and she's pretty good, and then, uh, he sees Camille, Camille Rhodes, and... And he's, like, not even really paying attention. Yeah, you know, he, like doing he's, he's, like, he's hey, just completely zonked out. Yeah, he, he looks completely disinterested, and then he, like, just calls one of his, like, uh, literal assistants over, and he's like, yeah, get Jack over here. I think Jack's the name of the guy. <laughs> but, um, so Jack shows up, and he makes him wait a second. He's like, I heard that you wanted me, and he's just, like, silent. Looks, and he's like, this... What's the photo? <laughs> this is the, the girl. girl. Excellent choice, Adam. Yeah, and it's very tense. And then uh, he like looks back and makes eye contact with uh, Naomi Watts. Naomi and then she looks at her watch and she's like, I gotta go. Oh shit, I gotta go. Rita needs me. So they go and it's, they're in the cab going to Diane's. Um, and there are some like men outside her house. Like some secret service men looking kind of deal. Oh. So they like both get down. And then they go and they find like her name on like the apartment listings and they go and they knock on her door. This woman opens and they're like, uh, Diane? Diane? And she's like, no, I traded apartments with her last week. Um, she's over in, uh, like 17 instead of 12. Uh, here, I'll go with you guys. And they're like, oh no, that's fine. No, no, really. I left some stuff over there. But, um, she gets like a phone call at the last second. She's like, I'll be right over. So Diane and Rita go over there. Not Diane and Rita. Uh, Rita and uh, Betty, Betty go over there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, they, like, knock on the door. No one answers. So they open the window and... Uh, they, they sneak in. Yeah, they sneak in. And then they go into the back bedroom. And Diane's dead. She's lying dead on the bed. Or who we presume to be Diane. The... And Rita screams and they this walk. This body looks so... Horrifying. Yes. It's presumably right. been it because she's like, oh yeah, uh, she's been Diane's been gone for a few days. Yeah. But like, this is like probably maybe one of the best like dead bodies I've seen in a film. And I'm like, did David Lynch just go and murder a woman? Maybe. <laughs> did he murder a woman for. I don't know. Did he murder a baby for a racer head? That's yes. These questions. He How did. does he get these really realistic? He's got a guy. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't ask questions. He knows he can get authentic-looking props for his movies. Oh, yes. But, yeah, so there's just this decomposing woman in this bed. They, like... Freak uh, out. Yeah, the neighbor's, like, knocking on the door. She eventually, like, comes out, but no one answers. So she, like, leaves, and then they, like, burst out. And then they go back to their house. Um, and Rita's freaking out, and she starts, like, trying to cut off her hair. And uh, Betty's like, I know what you're trying to do. Let me help. Yeah, and so they get her a wig. Yeah, which is like the aunt's wig that was just there. Yeah. yeah. So it's and, a nice blonde wig. That and it looks like, terrible. Yeah, it looks terrible, but they look both have like, that oh, like, iconic so she's short like, blonde They're hair. like, oh, you, you look so different. Um, and then they have sex. Yeah, they sleep together. And I'm yeah. like, finally, I was waiting for the gay stuff the whole movie. Yep. Because this movie's very gay. Yeah. Like, the whole film. They're yeah. like, the way they're talking to each other. Like, the way they're interacting. Gay. It's just it's just a lot I'm of like, Look at David Lynch making a gay movie. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she basically like comes in. She's like, you know, you don't have to wear that wig around the house. And she's like, I just like the way it looks. I'm going to take it off before bed. I'm going to go to bed on the couch. And she's like, no. No, I just, come lay No, come, come here. She gets naked. And just lay it on the there. It's like, woo, yeah. gay! 
eventually do the do the deed, and then they uh, they're sleeping, and then uh, Rita wakes up in the middle. Silencio, silencio. She starts just speaking silencio. Spanish. Yeah, she says some other stuff. I think. Yeah, she but, says a couple other things, and then um, the. Betty. Betty wakes, wakes up, up and she's like, what, she's like what, are what are you doing? What are you doing? She's like, I need you to come with me. Right now? Like, it's 2 a.m. in the morning. Please, just go with me somewhere. So they go, and there's, like, this cab ride, and they, like, stop at this, like, really creepy place. And I really like this shot, because, like, you see the cab pull up from, like, really far away, and you see them get out, and it's, like, this really grungy-looking parking lot. And then the fucking camera just starts running at them. Zooms no, in. It's not even a zoom. It's, like, a yeah. guy with the camera just straight running. Yeah, I bet it was I, David Lynch, like, let me do this one. I really, <laughs> really loved that shot. Yeah. No, of, like, just great. the camera just going, ha, da, 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 da. And then they get inside, and there's this dude, and he's like, everything here is pre-recorded. Points to the balcony. Thunder. Points to another thing. Thunder. You, we can picture a sound, and you can almost hear it. Imagine a muted clarinet. And then you hear the clarinet, yep. And then... Uh, a muted trumpet! And then a guy comes out playing a trumpet. Yeah. And he's like kind of mimicking like it is actually recorded, like it's perfectly timed with yeah. it. And then he like pulls it away from his mouth and he's like, huh? See? And then uh then he steps away from the stage, and then Cookie comes out. It's Cookie. Um and he introduces um Oh, I can't remember this performer's name. She's great, though. Rana she, Del Rio or something? Yes. Something like that, And she yeah. does Rana a cover in Spanish of Don McLean's uh, Crying. This... What is with David Lynch having just fantastic musical performances in his movies? He knows how to do it. Uh, at Twin Peaks Season 3, every episode ends with, like, a live performance from, from like, him? a band. No, not from <sighs> him. Does he ever sing? Um, ever show up to sing? No, not not Man. that I can recall. Is David Lynch in Twin Peaks? Does he ever show up? Yeah, no, he's like a main character. In, ah, is uh, his name David Lynch? No, it's uh, Gordon Cole. It's David. Um, it's David Grinch. He's more of a minor character in like the first two seasons, original series, but he becomes a main character in like the third season. Okay. Um, is he really sexy in it? Of course. David Lynch is sexy. There, there's one famous line where he's... David like, Lynch, will you marry me? <laughs> Because he's, like, hitting on a woman in Twin Peaks. And she's like, D- would you like some pie? And he's like, yes, massive quantities. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, so wholesome. You guys got to watch Twin Peaks soon. Massive um, quantities. I'm gonna. I'm probably watching Blue Velvet in the next couple days. Mm. Um, I'm Honestly, this week, I'm going to just maybe probably plow through every Lynch film. Oh, my. I, I'm probably going to have to do the same thing because I can't have you out lynching me. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> film bite, sound bites taken out of context. <laughs> I'm gonna lynch, I'm gonna out lynch Thomas. <laughs> I'm just gonna lynch Thomas. There you go. Um, I'm probably better for you. Pierre way. sent a message when he was gonna watch Mulholland Drive, and he's like, unfortunately, I have begun to lynch again. <laughs> and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. It was really, really funny. Um, but yeah, no, she she delivers a amazing, amazing performance. Both Betty and Rita yeah. are like breaking down. Betty crying. starts fucking yeah, convulsing. Yep. And they're like, what? And then the lady, like, the song's still going, but then she suddenly collapses. Yep. I have a and theory I about this particular part. I, I think it's pre recorded. 
Is that it? <laughs> um, see, I thought that. It's, it's then, not like, really that. Um, I think that definitely has some resonance. Um, but um, I'm dead. But I'll, I'll explain once we talk about the full movie. Yeah. Um, about some of my interpretations of it. But, you know, Betty's freaking out. They look inside of her purse. And there's a blue box. And there's box. a blue box. Did we talk about the key earlier? We, when they, we when mentioned they, it. We briefly mentioned that they found a key uh, when they were, like, going through the purse with all the money and they put it in a hat box. Yeah. Um. So they make their way home. And then, um. so basically, like, Rita holds up the key and the box, and then Betty disappears. She's like, like, hey, she's like Betty. Like Betty walks in the room, puts something down, and it like goes over to like the camera pans over, and she like looks at the box, and then she looks up. She's like, Betty. Yeah, Betty. So she just kind of shrugs, and then like puts the key in the box and turns it, and then we get this shot where it zooms into the keyhole, and then it like zooms back out. It's like yeah, it zooms in, and the, the box curtain. falls, in. and, and then, then Aunt Ruth walks in. Yep, and yep. kind of looks around. The box is gone. She's like, huh? and then um. Yeah. The movie gets fucking crazy at this point. Yeah, this is where um, it starts to unhinge. So, we see some flashes of, like, images, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember exactly what. But then, eventually, we flash to the body and the bed, Diane. And then we wake up. The cowboy comes in. Yeah. And he's like, time to wake up, little That's what it is. Second time we see the cowboy in the movie. Um, so, who knows? Is she doing good? Is she doing bad? Yeah. Um, and then it, it flashes her dead body, and then it flashes her, like, alive. And then it yeah, flashes in the dead same body, position. I think. Yeah, it does it a couple times, and then and then she, like, gets up because there's a knocking at her and door. And then it's Naomi Watts. Um, yep. Yeah, and it's Naomi Watts. is Diane. Yes. And uh, the, her neighbor had been knocking. She's like, it's been three weeks. Can I get my stuff? And she's like, fine, get in. Fine, whatever. And I really like this sequence because uh, she's grabbing her stuff. And through this little scene, we see that she's got like a little blue key on her coffee table. I don't think it's there at this point yet. It shows it's, up. It's but... there when she grabs the ashtray. Okay. Because, because it shows the triggers. it shows the the coffee table like beforehand and it's not there. And then it sh- like just appears. Yeah. So um that happens and then we cut to um like uh, basically, she like goes and starts making coffee, and then she like kind of turns her head, and, and she's we like, see, "You're back." We see Rita. Yeah, and she's like, "Camilla, you're back." Yep, and we find and out then, this is Camilla Rhodes. Yep, yeah. and then like you, it turns back to her face, and she's like smiling. This this little thing that like this little performance, like five second scenes, is probably like maybe my favorite performance in the entire movie. Just the way her like face morphs. Yeah. She goes from like pure happiness, and then it like just like. Goes down in like sadness and then yep. anger and then just like terror. Really, yeah. she's like it's ah, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And then it cuts back and it's her. Mm-hmm. And then she's just like standing there alone. Yeah, yep. she's making coffee and then she like crawls over. She's like walking back towards the couch and then we see a shot of her crawl over and the ashtray is like back on the table. Yep. Um, which lets us know that like. We got back in time a little bit, and she's there with Camila. They're getting funky on the couch, and then Camila's like, we shouldn't do this anymore. Yeah, we shouldn't do this anymore. And we she's should like, stop. She's like, it's him, isn't it? And we cut to another flashback where we see that they were at this uh, movie set with uh, Adam as the yeah. director. And he's like, 
And is Adam and, his actual name? Yeah, it's Adam. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. Um, and Camilla, which is Rita. So yeah. Camilla and, is like in the in a car, and he's like, "No, I'm not trying to tell you how to act, but just let me show you, and you know, maybe you can get what I'm going for." Yeah, he's talking to another male. Just do this. He's like, he's like touching her chin. He's like, just let her hand fall into just on, on yep. your chest and then just lean, lean in and just and the kiss should be a continuation of that move <laughs> and then just kiss her and then they start making out and uh, cut the lights and then the lights cut out yeah, and, and Diane's just like just break her tears over there and like, then watching and then we cut back to her in her apartment right she's like get the fuck out she's like pushing Camilla like out she's like you think I'm gonna make this easy for you there's no way cause it's not easy for me and then like slams the door on her and then, um, bit, is it here where we like cut to the like where the phone's ringing and it's like the car's outside waiting? I think so, right? We cut back uh, to that whole kind of scene. Uh, her, so. her meeting a little is a after the dinner scene. Um, so. Yes. So she so. goes, she, Camilla's like, hey, I really appreciate you coming. The car's outside. Well, I'll see you soon. And it was well, like, before that, we see. Diane just fucking losing it over everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's super upset. Um, and then uh, she gets in the car and they say like, uh, yeah, they do that thing address on Mulholland Drive. Yeah, and then they stop and she's like, "What do you do?" It like it's like it's when the same Rita, thing yeah. at the beginning, but they're like, "We don't stop surprise." Yeah, and then Camila comes out like little like path like, on the side. Come of the on the shortcut, and they like go on this walk together. And they show up at Adam's house. And, yeah, she seems very disenchanted. She's like, I'm sorry I'm late. And they're like, yeah, well, whatever. Let's go inside. Uh, so there's, like, a toast. Oh, we also meet Coco, who turns out to be Adam's mom. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, we see the actress who is portraying Camila Rhodes um, in and the she's previous like part of the another film. lady. Who she's like, just another lady yeah, who, who makes, makes out, out with Adam. But Camila's making out with Adam this whole time as well. She also makes out with Camila. Yep, she kisses yeah. Camila. Yep, um, which uh, makes Naomi Watts very jealous. Diane. Um, so basically, they're like, "Should we? Should we announce it? Should we announce it?" Yeah, we're getting married. Woo! Actually, I don't think they say it. like they. Yeah, I don't think they, they, they're, they're about they're, to. They're like, oh, uh, they're like kissing. They're like, <laughs> well, they, they, and then it just cuts. Uh, okay. She she like drops her something shatters and it cuts to the diner. Okay. And um, fun fact, I don't know if you guys noticed this. What? At that dinner party where they like are doing all that cowboy walks. Yeah, no, yeah, I saw the cowboy, cowboy, which is the it's very second, so we see, you see him. So two third more time, time like, we see oh, him. Oh no! So we know that two more times something that, bad's Yeah, we know on. that this film is going to be a tragedy. <laughs> yes, yeah. So what ends up happening is we cut to that thing at Winkies. She's talking to the hitman. Yep, and. She's like, here's a picture. He's like, oh, dude, what the fuck? Don't show me the picture of this here. And she's, and she's like, everyone in Hollywood's got a f- headshot resume. Whatever. And he's like, you got the money? She's like, yeah. He's like, all right, well. She pulls out the purse, right? Or yeah, she kind of like show, with the, with shows the money. Him all the money. And he's like, all right, well, you know, second you give me that, done deal. There's no going back. Sure you want this? She's like, I'm more than anything. Yeah, and he gives him the money. And then and this is Diana. It's, it's the same uh, girl you saw, like, have sex with the hitman yeah. earlier, um, just um, with a different face. Yeah, and yep. then she's got um, the name tag that says Betty. Yeah, there's there's a the waitress shows up, and she has the name tag Betty. And she's yeah. like, that's where she got the name. Yeah, and then uh, he holds up the little blue key, and he's like, once you see this, I'll leave it in the spot that we talked about. You'll know the job is done. And she's like, what? what is it open? And he just, like, starts <laughs> laughing. <laughs> 
And so, um, and then does it come back to the apartment, right? We cut back to the apartment. This is the final scene. This is the final scene. Uh, she's ferociously masturbating. And this is my favorite. This is, have you done this? I keep talking to people and apparently they don't masturbate when they cry. I have not done this. And you don't either? No. What you can't the say fuck is wrong with you guys? I've masturbated when I'm very angry before, but never when I'm like crying. <laughs> oh, but, no. I've um, masturbated a lot. I, I love this scene. There's like, once it starts getting towards the end of the masturbating scene, like it like shows the flash, the rock wall. She's like, just like, eh, 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 and it's just oh, like. Oh, wait. At the Winky's Diner, it goes, uh, we forgot. It, that's when the bum shows up. Uh, it, it goes outside. Yeah, it shows, shows the back the end. And it, it has shows the blue them box. The box. And um, out of the keyhole draws out Irene and her little traveling yeah. companion. They, they're little tiny. <laughs> and they're just like <laughs> running. And yeah, we get to the scene where she's masturbating. And fun fact about this scene, this was extremely awkward for Naomi Watts to shoot. They talked about it a little bit in that interview I was watching. Um, so David Lynch was like, he's just like over her. He's like, okay, now masturbate. Well, he, he wanted to create both something that challenged her and took her past her boundaries, but he still didn't want to like take it to the point where she was like uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So he like built like this. Nice man. Yeah. So he built like this little tent around her. So like no one had to like really see the specifics of what was going on in the scene. And to get, like, some of the reactions out of her, because he's like, all right, start. And she's, like, got to the point where she wanted to stop. She's like, all right, David, I kind of want to, like, slow down now. And he's like, okay, Naomi. But just kept rolling. So she's, so she, she's like, talking in the interview. She's like, that made me pissed. So I just started showing it in my performance. Um, so that's kind of, like, what's going on there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's really interesting. Oh, okay. And she said that she had a really hard time because she was like, she wasn't, she thought like when filming the scene, it was all going to be like a one cut kind of deal. She didn't realize that they were going to be cutting like back and forth between her like face and like that. She thought it was going to be like a one kind of thing. And she thought that the rock thing was like added in. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the interview and Dave was like, no, no, the rocks were always going to be there. And it's like, yeah, she's got to get her rocks off. But, um... God damn it. <laughs> and then, uh... She just starts hearing screaming. There's like a pounding on yeah. the door. And she's, like, hearing screaming, and she gets up, and then... Uh, you we see them come in, and then suddenly they're the door huge again. And then they just grow inside. And, and they're just, like, laughing. And, like, and she's, like, screaming. She's obviously completely lost her mind at this point. She runs in to her room. She's screaming, and she grabs the gun out of her uh, drawer and just shoots herself in the head. And she's laying yep. in the same position. Yep, and then the, the smoke's, was. like, rising yep. behind And it's the, the same kind of smoke effect that was on the car at the beginning when they crashed. Yeah. And then we get... Um, yeah, that smoke effect's very common in, like, David Lynch yeah. work. Um, and then we get, like, uh, the cut of, like, the, like, monster's face one more time. Like, it's, like, kind of, like, faded over everything. And then we cut mm. to... We get glimpses of this during this Silencio scene. They don't, like, focus too much on this character, but there's, like, a character up With in the With blue hair, and she's, yep. like, Silencio. And then the movie just cuts to black. Yeah. And that's it. And then it says Finn. And then the movie just kind of ends. Executive produced by... <sighs> but, uh... London, you probably want to talk the most, so go ahead. Well, hold on. I want to hear. I want to hear Thomas's interpretation first before I delve into mine. Okay. I feel like my and Thomas probably have. I, I think my interpretation is the most popular one. 
So. I mean, yeah, mine mine's probably not anything new. Because, like I said, when we were, like, reviewing David Lynch, uh, like, with Eraserhead, David Lynch works from a point of dream logic. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, most of this movie is some sort of, like, uh, dream-like DMT trip post-mortem for her as she's, like, dying or post-death. And it just kind of takes, like, the details of what really happened and jumbles them around like a dream does. Um, and the film is very much, like, kind of, like, her subconscious trying to come to terms with what she did while she's, like, in denial. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, any time that they, like, bring up like, any any line of dialogue throughout the film is, like, basically something directed at her character. Like, um, there's a specific line with the cowboy scene that I remember being like, oh, that was, like, directed at her. Um, which is, the, there's the obvious, like, oh, if you see me one more time, you did good two more times. And then, obviously, it's not Adam who sees the cowboy later, but just me, the audience. And we know it's, like, supposed to be Diane's character who's seeing the cowboy. Yeah. Um... But there's another line there. I don't quite remember, but um, I remember the, the thing I wanted to talk about, the silencio scene that I felt like kind of holds some resonance. So the song she's singing is uh, a cover of Don McLean's Crying. Crying mm-hmm. without you. So it's obviously like a breakup song. She doesn't have Camila Rhodes in her life anymore. But I like the part where she drops down dead, but the music's still playing. That really struck a chord with me because it's like... Camila is dead, mm-hmm. but she's obviously some version of her, some like amount of her is still alive or seemingly alive through like this kind of like pre-recorded events that happened to her, but it's just all scrambled up in red. That's kind of like my interpretation of that scene. I feel it. Um, and yeah, I, I could put like... There's, like, lots of things I could, like, cherry-pick throughout the movie, I'm sure, that would, like, have, like, resonance to, like, this plot. Um, but I don't have, like, any in-depth notes in front of me. But, yeah, that's basically, like, my basic interpretation of the film. Yeah. I... Mine is pretty close. I, it feels like the first section of the film is uh, Diane's dream. Like, mm-hmm. that's... that's It's pretty much her fantasy... Because she, at this point, like, she's still in love with Camilla, but she also, like, hates her. Yes. And she hates Adam just as much. Yes. I think there's a pretty big uh, thing about Adam that, um, like, I, I don't know. Um, but, like, she wants to ruin his life just as much. So she invents a wife for him that's... Uh, yeah, creates the shittiest time. Yeah, and, but I think it's important to note that all the people in this that, like, fuck him over are blonde. Like, they look close to what Naomi Watts looks like. Mm. Like, her, uh, his wife is blonde and she cheats on him. The girl that he's forced to High put in is, is, yeah, and it's Camilla. She's erasing, like, what Camilla, who she really is, and she's making her look more like Naomi Watts. Yeah. Um, uh, like, he's just being fucked over because she feels like he fucked over her. Mm-hmm. Um, it, because she wants this role. She makes herself in this dream like a much better actress than she was in real life. Yeah. Uh, and she makes Rita slash uh, Camilla like a much worse actress. Like when they do the scene together, she's like just fumbling all over herself. Uh, she also makes Rita like much like she makes her super needy. Like she needs her 
she has to rely on Betty while yeah. Betty was pro- probably closer to that. Like Diane was probably leaning on her too far. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just makes her completely dependent on her. Yeah, and she she erases her like life pretty much like with her memory, but also the thing that she makes her blonde. Like, yeah. She wants her to be the one that's in charge. That's what I mostly got from that. Like, it's just Naomi Watts. Everything's about her. No characters seem to have any agency on their own. Uh, it, that's why it feels like she's the only one that's really in control unless someone's actively in this dream trying to, like, break it. Like, uh, Lorraine, I believe her name is, or the, the other woman yeah, in the party. The like, there's one that shows up and there's like, wrong. the very first thing she says is, who are you? And she's like, I'm, Betty. I'm Betty. And she's like, no, you're no, not. No, you're not. Yeah, that's exactly. not your name. Um, that that was another thing I had taken. There was quite on. a few things on my segment third watch. I'm like, ah! Yeah. I thought it was just like a windshield. Like, just, he's just like saying things. But I'm like, ah! Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, the winky Zane is like, reference, like the dreams. Yeah, they're literally yeah, saying the dreams are like, they're almost identical, but it's just different. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- so my my thing's the dream as well. I think I, I I think that's pretty much the main interpretation a lot of people do, and then it's just little things they interpret a little differently. Yeah, exactly. Which is my jam. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but I really I really like this movie. Um, I like twenty five minutes after I watched it the first time, like it had a delayed reaction, but I just suddenly like broke into tears. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? It wasn't like right after. It was just like thinking about the movie. I was just like walking around. I like went into my bathroom. I looked at myself. And then I just burst into tears. I'm like, ah! Huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you think, Joe? I mean, like, I don't have any like grand theory on it. I kept trying to think of like maybe different ways the story could have gone through. Like instead of maybe it being focused on... You know, Naomi Watts' character, maybe it was, you know, from the perspective of Camilla, mm-hmm. where, you know, she's doing good, but, you know, uh, Diane is kind of dragging her through shit. Yeah. And kind of she wants to make her feel bad, maybe like this is her own dream. And I'm like, no, nah, that doesn't really work. But like my my current stupid theory is like, maybe this is a movie. We're watching a movie in a movie. Because, like, the main thing that really struck with me was when we saw uh, Adam uh, auditioning girls. There was that whole shot of, like, you know, the the choir in that sound booth, and then it slowly pulls out. And it's, you know, we're seeing them in a recording booth. It's not them on stage. Then we pull out even further. They're on a stage. Then we pull out even further. We see all the cast and crew around it. And I'm like, maybe this is a movie in a movie. And because there's a lot of weird things going on. Like I, I had mentioned this earlier, like the I really like a lot of the grand story about this movie, but it's a lot of the little bits and pieces that I really like picking up. Like, how did the bum get the box? What significance does that hold? Who is the bum? Why do we care about these agents inside the Winky's Diner? Why are they there? You know, why why is Gene there? You know, what what significance does that hold? A lot of those minor things, you know, what what do these things mean? They totally lend itself to the theory, but I 
part of me is like, well, maybe it's something else, but I don't really know what, because I'm not good at this. Yeah, I think that scene with, uh, when Naomi Watts sees, uh, like, she goes to that audition and she sees him, and her leaving in a rush, because it's, it's her kind of, like, is realizing, like, oh, this guy. Well, I think, uh, yeah, and I think she, it, in some form of her subconscious, she knows that this is a dream, she knows it's an illusion, and she feels like interacting with him might break it. Yeah. So she, like, leaves. Because she, she like, knows she has to be somewhere, but she has no sense of urgency until that one moment when she sees him, and then she's suddenly like, oh, I gotta go. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, I think we mentioned that we think that at least I think that the man in the back is uh, supposed to be like a monstrous version of her. Yeah, but I think I think when she they're speaking about the man in the back, I think it's also uh, talking about like David Lynch himself directing the film, like how he's the one that pulls all the strings. It's talking about the direction of a film. Have you seen that famous picture from like behind the scenes where it's just David Lynch standing, like posing for a picture with that? Like the person in that no, makeup, it's pretty great. It's a um, pretty good image. But uh, and at the same time, I feel like Adam Kesher's just pretty much like David Lynch. Oh yeah, because he's, he's always had to deal with yeah. a lot of like, like especially with like Dune and stuff and Twin Peaks yeah. as well. There's there's a bunch of studio. Even though it was the best selling show on television, they were like, no, you gotta, you have to conform to what we want you to do and reveal. And even even the way he speaks, you know, kind of sounds like David Lynch. Yeah. Like what's Very the photo for? Over exaggerated and emphasis, kind of nasally. Yeah, so um, I feel like he's like a stand-in for him to have multiple layers of storytelling. Like, hey, here's what I got fucked over, but the main story is about Diane being like, this is my dream. I, I have to tell the story, because I think it's the origin for why David Lynch oh, yes. is like the super villain of cell phones and cinema. Um, so he's talking about... I think I, I, I want to meet David Lynch, and I'll be like, hey, can I show you like a really good phone and have you watch something on it? Just to like, <laughs> just to, like show you, because... Um, but, so, he's talking about when, because this movie was originally made as a pilot. For a television for show. For a television show that was meant to be a kind of, like, spin-off, spiritual success. Spiritual success for... Spesper. Yeah. Don't talk while I'm trying to say the word. Success. You messed me up again. Successful. Successful. Yeah. Successful. Yeah. So, uh, to Twin Peaks. And it was going to be like Twin Peaks, but in Hollywood. And I, I agree. Um, I think that the movie... Turned out very well, um, but I still would have liked to see the TV show because I think it could have worked. Um, and plus, I I, I haven't seen happen. Twin Peaks as a show, so I, I need to see it to see how like the pacing works. But it's just I I personally love like all the pacing in this movie, and I feel like having it be like more episodic, I feel mm-hmm. like it might change things a little too much for my taste. Yeah. But but he was basically t- describing the process of presenting this pilot. To the producers and why it got turned down. Um, and he was saying it was because the producer who was watching it was like watching it from across the room, like the TV was across the room. He was standing up and he kept taking phone calls during it. So I think that might have a little, he's like, ah, phones do nothing but ruin cinema. 
I wonder, I would love to have him like sit down with somebody like Soderbergh or like uh, Sean Baker. Yeah, someone who like makes. Who's made films on their like iPhone and stuff. I would just want like like a talking circle with them. That'd be interesting. It would be. They have those like filmmaker like shows. Yeah, I've watched a couple recently, but Todd Phillips has been on that. I'm like, eh! (laughs) Run, it's Todd Phillips! Have you seen that interview with Tom? This isn't to do with anything, but there was when they had the circle with like Bong Joon-ho and Todd Phillips and Noah Baumbach. And Bong Joon-ho's like, hey, Todd, do you, are you a chain smoker? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you look like one. Got him. And then he tries to like save it. He's like, oh, because you're so cool. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> Todd Phillips <laughs> is cool. <laughs> oh, man. No, but, uh, yeah, um, each watch of this improved my viewing experience. Uh, I, I feel like I'm going to watch it again this week uh, for a fourth time. I feel like I'm going to watch this like a thousand more times tomorrow. No, it's a good movie. I, I definitely want to watch it again, see what other things I can pick up. Because, like, immediately after, I'm like... I don't know what I watched. And then London's like, okay, I got it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm, I've always been good at, like, theorizing things. And, like, I love theorizing things. So I'm like, okay, here's what, here's what's going on. Like uh, the Always Sunny meme with the... Yeah, Pepe Charlie. Sylvia. Pepe Sylvia. That's me. It's always been me. Yo, Day Bow Bow. What? <laughs> you know, this not Day Bow Bow. Chicka chicka. I love fucking It's Always Sunny. Oh. All right, so Joe, what'd you give this movie? I mean, ten. I I loved it a lot. It was really well made, well this shot. This is well gonna edited. be pretty ironic. But I know. I'm gonna, I know. Sti- I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna stick with the score that I've had since the first time I watched it and give it the name. See, I don't know if this is actually the score because I checked your other Letterboxd account. Did I give Thomas it? Griffin? I might have given it, it nine. like nine originally, but I I think. I think it sits more at an eight. And I'm going to give this a, an 11 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 10. So we're at I, 28 but, divided by 3. That's like 9.3. 9. 9.33. But uh, good good movie. Fantastic. Very accessible. I, if like, very, you haven't watched. Very, very before. accessible. Whereas like Eraserhead, definitely not accessible in the way that this is. Yeah. Yeah, but if you have two and a half hours to kill, I definitely recommend this. It also has some fucking great music. I love the soundtrack to this movie. Yes. Did oh, he compose the- this one? I know he did, like, the composition for, like, Eraser and um, stuff. No, it was uh, Angelo, who uh, is, like, a fame. They work together a lot. Okay. Because like, uh, a lot of the, a lot of, like, the sound and music felt very Lynchian. Like, for, like, I think when they got back to the apartment right before they opened the box, I think... Angelo Badalamenti. There was just like the sound of just like sound like a pot being tapped mm. constantly. Yeah, he he might have attributed to like some of the sound, but um, it was mostly Angelo. Angelo was like his regular. Yeah, yeah, he did like the sound editing stuff, but the composer was Angelo, who did like Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, mm-hmm. uh, The Straight Story, Twin yes. Peaks, yeah. Lost Highway. Uh, did he not do? Did he die or something? No, no he just didn't do the return. I guess. Um, yeah, I think they reused a lot of like his mm, old music, gotcha. and then uh, wow, he did the Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage. Oh, did he? <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, there's this funny, 
Um, once once you guys watch Twin Peaks, there's this funny video where they talk about it's Angelo, and he talks about like the writing process for the main theme. Mm-hmm. Not the main theme of Twin Peaks, but, like, the main character's theme of Twin Peaks. Gotcha. And it's a pretty funny story, and he does a pretty good impression of David Lynch. Who's, oh, Angelo, that's so beautiful. Keep playing. Keep playing, Angelo. But <laughs> it's great. Um, David Lynch is such a fucking character. I love him. Keep playing. <laughs> massive quantity. <laughs> God damn it. Massive, massive quantities. Oh, oh man. Yeah, the sooner you watch Twin Peaks, the better. Because I would totally be down to rewatch Twin Peaks and do a Twin Peaks episode eventually. Cool, uh, I'm in. Yeah, no, I, I eventually also... we'll do our Mind Hunter. Uh, yeah, episode. we'll we'll do that soon. Oh, I just um, caught up on Mind Hunter. Yeah, you can join for that one too. Um, we'll probably do that. Uh, maybe maybe like February ish. Okay. I've got to talk to you a little bit about the sketch plan once we. Uh oh, Thomas is quitting. I'm bringing Pierre. <laughs> we all know that Pierre was the secret uh, second host of Screen Wings. Well, Pierre's the shadow master pulling the strings <laughs> on this operation. Yeah, like half the time, like, I feel like sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, you know, me and Pierre, like, picked a movie this week. It's like, what? Pierre. Pierre. She's pulling the strings, forcing me to watch Runaway. <laughs> Alright. Okay, so what do you got your pick for next week? Um, okay. It's a movie I watched uh, this week, actually. Uh, Blackjack. Uh, that one's going to be leaving Criterion Streaming here pretty at the end of this month. Okay. So I thought this was a pretty opportune time that, to do it. Is that two words? Uh, I believe so. Uh, it's directed by Ken Loach. Ken Loach, yes. Okay, cool. Um, it's like 1976, I think. If 1979. Ah, I had the six upside down. You fool! Um, yeah, so that's my pick for this week. Okay, let me let me think. Let me think what I want to watch here. Did uh, Class no. Master H? Nope. No. Okay. She's coming, but she's like, yeah, you just pick. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, we're going to watch a movie by William Friedkin, who did like The Exorcist. Yeah. Um, this one was in 2011, and it's called Killer Joe. Okay. Uh, Joe. Um, You'll never find out if I actually It's did available it. to stream for free on Tubi TV with ads. Okay, great. And that came out with in 20, 2010, I think. Then you just 2011. Yeah. 2011. Oh, did I already say that? Yeah. I'm going crazy. I'm tired. Anyway, thank you guys for watching this long episode of Mulholland Drive featuring the Oscars and, I guess, some other movies. Yeah, uh, tell your grandma. Tell your grandma. Suck your grandma. Whoa. Beat up Joe! Ah! Ah!